G'day guys, hope you're all doing well. It's the coach here, your friendly neighborhood coach who's coaching the coach, coach who knows. Anyway, we are talking all things uh, Slaves to Darkness. And what's brought, brought us here is obviously Broken Realms has brought a new set of rules to the Slaves to Darkness pool. And I thought it would be awesome to pick up with a absolute madman who loves his Slaves to Darkness. Absolutely. It is Age of Nagash Mikey. Uh, it's his debut on the channel as well as potentially debut on a live show and not as a host. So, Mikey, you've been using doing YouTube for some time now. But welcome, g'day, and um, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you, mate. I've had a, such a great day as well. I've actually been working on my Slaves of Darkness. I've been painting my nights up to use them in a room bringer battalion, which we'll get to later in the show because I'm so um, excited for it. And uh, yeah, man, thank you very much for having me on the channel. It's um, it's good to be here. You've been on my channel for a few times, so I thought it's the least I can do. And the last thing I just want to say before we get into it is that my new Chaos t-shirt has arrived, if you can kind of see it. So I'm all buzzed for the Slaves of Darkness to uh, Mate, I've, I, I've gone the extra mile and I've got a Chaos shirt up myself. So I've oh, got an well OG, Storm of Chaos. Uh, the end times is upon us. So uh, I thought I'd get into the spirit and uh, talk things all chaos and slaves. And funnily enough, I've got a slaves army. Mind you, it is a fifth edition with the OG uh, halberds. And I've got, you mm -hmm. know, the wizard on the double-headed uh, dragon. Um, I, I do have a little, I think Slaves to Darkness to me, there is a, there's a lot of nostalgia because I, one of the first games I got into was like Hero Quest, Hero Quest and Warhammer Quest. And it was the Chaos Warrior that was introduced into that, into that range that obviously kicked off the Space Marines, then it kicked off Stormcast Eternals. Uh, so everything has basically got a lineage to, um, to, to Chaos. Hey, it's that it's that classic Dark Knight appearance, isn't it? Like, if I was to think of like a good sort of stereotypical bad guy, especially from Warhammer Fantasy, it's got to be a Chaos Warrior. Like, and and, and that for me is like it's just so cool. Like, just you know, dark armored. You know, who's under the mask? This absolute tank. It feels it definitely feels like a boss fight for me. So, um, I'm I'm really excited that Slaves got new rules. Whether it was just a battle tome, let alone it's got an additional rules. Uh, and I'm really curious on, on, on learning more about this particular set of rules in idolators. But but before I get into we get into the rules and we talk about that type of stuff, I'd like to know what got you into this because you are Age of Nagash. So you, I, we can only yeah. assume that all things are Nagash and Nagash for all and Nagash is the best and you owe your soul to Nagash. But you've you've broken rank and you've gone to chaos. So what drew you to Slaves to Darkness? Um out of all other armies and all other builds of chaos. Well, like you've mentioned, I am a dedicated death player, especially with Nagash. You know, I can't really talk about any other army with my love for them before I mention Nagash. So you've done that already for me. But like I said, for Slaves of Darkness myself, it's that it's a little bit like you just mentioned with that nostalgia look, you know, that evil chaos warrior, that sort of thing. But that's was sort of my idea when I was a when I was a kid, before I could, you know, buy and build the army. So then when I get to the point where I can, why have I actually chosen this army, especially when my love is for death completely wide, I break ranks. And that's really just because Slaves of Darkness offers me something completely different. I think that their law is absolutely amazing. Whereas in, if we compare it to death, for example, where um, you have these very uh, charismatic leaders and then everything else is kind of just rules for the most part, where we come to Slaves of the Darkness, every single member 
in your army. It could be an army of 120 marauders. It could just be the most elite of the elite chosen or chaos knights. Every single one of them is on a different start or a different step even to their uh, path to glory, which is something that is also inflected into the game as well. So they really put that nice bit of law in the game, which is the eye of the gods. Essentially, when you decide you want to dedicate yourself to the gods, you may be from a tribe that doesn't even realize that. Cornus, this massive, you know, um, well, red blood first, looking demon, as we all know as players, they may just think that he is a... Uh, I don't know, a mighty um, warrior who um, sort of like fuels the carnage and all of their hearts to push forward. Every single one of them, knowing who the gods are or not, they all sell their souls to try and gain power. And it could be trying to gain power for their tribe, trying to help them out, or it could just be for personal gain. But then you also have the, it's not all white and black, you have the gray element of, um, I think how the uh, like, Blood Reavers do their stuff. And I know that's Bloodbound, but it kind of works the same for... Um, yeah, like, 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 you know, if you think about even just Warcry, like as you're talking, mm. I'm thinking about Warcry. Exactly. And, you know, if, if people are, are familiar with Warcry or they are playing Warcry or maybe they haven't even gotten to, to 2 Plus Tough's lore videos, for example, oh, yeah. you know, when you're fighting in Warcry, these, these warbands, you're not fighting to be a Varangard. You're not fighting to be like 2IC of Archeon. You're fighting just to be a chaos warrior, yeah. just a little old chaos if warrior. If you're and lucky, and that's and that's what I love as well. So, like when you look at the chaos warriors, just think like it's like a selection process for an extremely hard job of how many people actually, if you're like applied to try and get to that. It's not really a rank, if you will, but it's a sort of like a status of power, which I, which I think is great. And what I was just going to quickly say about blood reavers, for example, is that when they conquer a new um, a kingdom or a tribe, what they often do is don't just slaughter everyone for to someone you can you can join our ranks if you I think it's if you eat the heart of your best mate or something like that. So it's kind of like you don't want to do it to be evil, but it, it's just for pure survival and um, and also people have dedicated their even kingdoms to some of the chaos gods because they wanted to make their kingdom survive throughout the age of chaos you know we weren't all in azir and all uh living happily and safe so it's not everyone who dedicated themselves to chaos is how i want to sort of finish this segment um did it purely out of evil but eventually down the road um like if you um i don't know you follow sinesh you're you're um uh, what you take um pleasure in may just be something very simple like you may love cooking but then it gets to a bit so extreme that you like killing your victims and you don't know or maybe even cooking them alive or something you know it's just all these tedious little strings that take you down that path of glory which is what's the main draw in their law for me and it's what i love to see when they transfer that into the game through the um eye of the gods ability which we may get to later there, there's a lot of cool lore and i hope yeah. you know if you are if you are on the fence of picking up slaves to darkness and that didn't excite you what mikey just shared just a teaser right you could oh, you could really drill down awesome. into um you know the the stories of nurgle and you know plague and blight and um people who are just fighting disease and it's sometimes it's just easier to give in to nurgle and you become you know a little uh, plague bearer um or a you know a spawn yeah there's just a there's even a story of that where there's like, I think this is marshland in the um, realm of life where the tribes there, just because they were just getting so sick of the uh, disease and pestilence in this marsh, they eventually realized if they gave themselves over to, I think it was called Mother Mort, as what Nurgle betrayed itself as, she protected them from, not from getting sick, but from dying of being sick. 
So and then they've dedicated themselves to Nurgle, but they're, they're completely unaware. It, yeah. So you just and Slaves of Darkness really offer that opportunity of just seeing like how chaos is as a whole, rather than just going, this is how the Bloodbound work, and this is how the uh, each work. It just gives you so much variety, and you can really see that in the playstyle of the army as well, which is really cool. And as of and as of recording, we are you know mere weeks, months away, probably weeks away from uh, Mortal Slanesh as well. So who knows yeah, how I'm that's right. going to get as well, and how that might align. And I think uh, if if I kind of segues us a little bit from the lore into the rules yep. and the and the models, uh, the cool thing is you know I'm a massive Cities of Sigma player. People should know this by now, um, but I. It's really cool to see Slaves to Darkness is basically the equivalent of Cities of Sigma because you can draw from so much of the Chaos faction. And that's exciting because it does allow you to then start building a list and you're not hamstrung to just Slaves to Darkness, but you can pull in all these other models from all other ranges, create some cool, cool armies, some cool th themes and concepts. You can evolve with the meta as it moves along. Um, it's just it's just an awesome, cool and the models now, they've just brought out some really cool models. Um, uh, I really yeah. should get an affiliate link at this point, Games Workshop. Um, I feel like selling a few additional models. But for me, Slaves is just cool. Uh, they're just badass cool. They, they really, I mean, like, um, in this video, like I said, we are going to deep dive or just mainly focus on the idolators. And there's so much you, you can unpack here. And um, if anyone's interested, I'll just say that I'm currently in the process of doing a massive review that I think I've done over 10 hours already. And there's another four hour video or four more videos to go, probably go towards 20 hours if you want to take the time. But I just want to uh, unpack what you say, like a, a nice simple way of how I say them, you compare them to cities is that they really are. They feel like that in chaos and almost I'd compare them a little bit to Stormcast in the sense of how many things can go with them. Cause it's almost pretty much um, they can play with everyone bar Skaven in all of chaos, which just shows huge variety. And it's not even like, um, like your slaves of darkness oh you just ally them into blades of corn or desires of each they just become the army so my uh slaves of darkness army i themed heavily on slanesh but i can take it in uh five books because you've got the four um chaos gods and then you've got the one slaves of darkness and then obviously you've got a uh, grand alliance chaos if you want to take that so you've got plenty of options just like as a broad aspect before we go into it yeah, absolutely. So um, very, very cool nonetheless. I think you'll notice that in Chaos, you know, you can have Plague Monks in a Nurgle army. You can do, uh, what was I going to Where was I going to go with this? Piece I said somewhere else. Yeah, that, that's literally where I was going to go. Yeah, yeah, you put these like Chaos one. in different armies. So again, you know, it's very versatile. It's, you know, it's it's, very, it's like an Ikea cabinet. Just like, just plug it in somewhere and it'll work. It's so good value. Uh, so good value. It is very, very cool. But hey, let's not sell the sizzle and sell nope, the sizzle. No, absolutely. Let's 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 actually just get into the rules and talk a little bit about how you and, and, and I'm not worried about the rules, but what I want to start doing is putting some of the theory into practice. And then if someone is thinking about putting a slaves to darkness army on the table, they're hearing your logic and your reasons to what you're doing and how you're thinking about this. Because I think the idolaters for me, and uh, this will be a much of an education session for me as it is probably for the audience, is that when I when I looked at Broken Realms. And I did a video with Warhammer Weekly when we talked through the rules and talked about the things. I was the least impressed with Slaves to Darkness. I thought uh, Daughter's got some cool stuff. Uh, Eichneth got some great stuff. Stormcast potentially have just gotten a little bit bonkers good. Um, City's mm -hmm. got some interesting things, probably not as good. But I kind of looked at the idolaters and went, eh, eh. I, I, I watched that review uh, live, I think, on that one, and I saw how it was at the end. What I will say about the idolaters is that there are ways 
to play them to make them um, worth considering running. It's not just as simple as a straight up what uh, some of the reviews have said online. It is uh, it's definitely worth signing. Take it. And the cool thing about them, just to talk a little bit about their lore, is essentially they are the hordes that just run around the mortal realms, tearing down as many idols of um, other gods that are there to prove that the dark gods are the best. That's essentially where, where they get their name from. So it's quite cool. cool. Generally, how do you feel about idolaters compared to the other different damned legions? And I, and you now are blessed with damned legions because you've also got um, you've also uh, got the stuff nicely from um, thrown. yeah yeah you've got them from um, yeah. Look, so this you, I was gonna say this book came out about a year ago now because I remember it just being before Christmas I believe, um, and we already have two new sub legions. Can't, can't complain at all about that. Um, there's six different ways you can uh, take the six different sub-legiances um, with that. And how would I compare them, or how would I compare idolaters to the other ones? If I'm completely honest with you, the other ones that I've run are Ravengers and um, Desolators. Uh, off the top of my head, I think it's called. Uh, oh, Despoilers. Despoilers. That's Despoilers. That's Despoilers. Um, and I... I'm more than likely going to be running them if I want to take this to as competitively as I can. But for something a bit, to be honest, just a, just a different way to play your models. Um, this is making me bring out models onto the table that I wouldn't L, well, I wouldn't otherwise use, which is great because they're models I've got in my collection and they're models that can be maximized in this sub -allegiance. I I'm not going to completely lie to you, not to be honest and everything. Um, it does it does sting a little bit like um you read this um the idol latest sub allegiance and like games workshop forgot to give us artifacts which are like a, a little bit that stings with that is for example um if you take a battalion in this sub allegiance which i have done in one of my lists which we'll get to um i can only take one artifact because i have because i'm going to belong to a realm to get one artifact but i can't belong to two so i can't take another one from another realm. But may, who knows? Maybe in a FAQ they could drop artifacts. I'm not saying that is going to happen, but like there are there's future things out there. And like I say, the main thing about the ILA is it's just a different way to take models that you may not be using already. I think is a yeah. good positive. And we saw people go crazy with chariots. And I think, you know, when I look at any Slaves to Darkness army that I've played against in the past, um, I recently played in a tournament and it was based around Varangard and, and Iron Golems, which was just awesome. A uh, big yeah. block of Iron Golems is just so tanky. Um, I played a really cool army uh, about six to eight months ago, which was purely around the Lord on Kakadrak with knights and marauder horsemen. That was literally it. It was just this massive cavalry army. Again, very cool. Um, but I can't say that I've seen many chariots. And I think you're, when I think about this, and by the way, people who tune into my show, some people are looking from a very competitive sense. They want to do the best that they can at their next tournament. Some yes, people are just looking at building a list, playing fun, playing casually. So um, so again, you know, when we talk about this type of stuff, we are probably putting more of a match play lens, but you, you do you, you play your models that you want to play with. If you want to pick something that we don't think is very good, you know, who asked to say run your army. Um, but we're, we're going to think about potentially the most competitive builds or the most, um, more optimized builds for the lists. And I'm going to get your thoughts as well on the battalion because, um, but spoiler alert, yeah. uh, Mikey hasn't taken the idolator battalion, uh, so, we'll so we'll, we'll get to that in a minute and just, you know, you can tell me why or what your logic yeah. was behind there, but let's get into maybe the allegiance rules first. So yeah, I sure. still get my slaves to darkness book. Uh, it's still relevant. It's, I haven't lost Absolutely. anything with it. 
this is an add-on to it. it cool yeah it, it's a bolt-on it's an addition to it's some more tools is it all relevant to you can you still use all of this um if you go idolators it's all relevant to you essentially apart from the bit where it says pick which sub allegiance you want because you're going idolators so you're going to get everything you're not going to miss out um on your allegiance abilities as itself and as slaves of darkness don't have um uh, well, I was going to say they don't have generic artifacts anyway, but it doesn't really matter. But yeah, so essentially you'll still get everything. So you get your Aura of Chaos, you'll get your Eye of the Gods, and then you'll also get your Spell Laws as well. So you won't be missing out on anything on that one, as far as I'm aware. With, the, with your generic rules, with these, when I say generic, I'm talking about the ones that are available to all Slaves to Darkness, and you've mm -hmm. probably been using if you've already been playing this army in the past. When you look at the idolators and you look at this particular rule set, do you th does the way that you build your list or is the way that you think about your army, does that change? Like does idolators promote maybe, you know, the aura of Nurgle better than, you know, going down the Slanesh route or does it make you think about the aura of chaos different? Like, or, or is it kind of like, is it no change? Like what, like what's your thinking when you look at this and you think about idolators? There, there are there are some um, considerations. Like for example, um, if I was to do it in no particular order, if we looked at the undivided mark, that essentially what that allows for is oh, what I will say, just in case people aren't aware, with the Aura of Chaos uh, abilities, and we're looking at them first. Essentially, what you get is if your um, your unit has the same mark as a hero and it's holier than twelve inches of that hero, they unlock one bonus. If that hero um, also um, is your general, you unlock bonus number two so as like a basic there like it's a mad pyramid scheme yeah exactly and that's what when you're building your slaves of darkness army you can go you know what these couple units here are going to be uh this mark and these ones are going to be this mark to try and versatilize your list but one of the things i quite often do is make the whole list one mark because then there's a lot more it makes your life in the game a lot easier you're not trying to measure too much in range but for example like i was saying if we look at the mark of the undivided um from the um aura of chaos what that essentially allows is i just got to make sure which way i've got this round yeah so if you're um holy within 12 inches of your hero who's also undivided you are uh, not going to be taking battle shot tests which is good and um, that's still relevant in this however with it, your hero is the general essentially you get a six up ward save six up death save uh damage prevention save if you like so when you look at my lists later, you're going to see that in idolators, you want to include a lot of Chaos War Shrines. And Chaos War Shrines are giving you that bubble anyway. And it's a bigger bubble. And as the General's Handbook 2020 states, that you can't benefit from two, um, I'm just going to call them ward saves. Uh, um, you, you've got to choose which one you want. So, yeah, so, so in the old edition... In the old edition or before General's Handbook 2020, if you missed this, um, you could have multiple uh, damage prevention, ward, uh, call it what you will, invulnerable saves for anyone who's come over from 40k. So you take your regular armor save, you, you might then take, uh, you know, if you're a death player, you take deathless, you know, a six plus. Uh, if, you, if you're next to uh, mystical terrain, or you, you know, you're meant to, next to something, you might get an additional save. and pasted over everywhere. Most armies have a way. And there were some times where you'd go like a six plus, a six plus, or a five plus, a six plus, a six plus. And, you know, it, it got a little bit crazy at times. Yeah. But now Games Workshop has said only one 
damage prevention role after your armor save. So um, so basically when you think about the stacking, you, you, you only can choose the best one. So uh, something to consider and maybe why, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe some people have turned a little bit away from the undivided route and, and I'm noticing more corn and zench type marking in builds. But we'll get to your list soon, but I've, 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 I've noticed a drop yeah. in the undivided um, armies. The, the other reason with that is because um, depending on how you want to run your Slaves of Darkness, I mean, I'll just say now that a lot of people like to, I won't use the word spam, but like to take lots and lots and lots of Marauders and not really much else. In my army, and like I've basically explained in the lore, I like the armoured look of the Chaos uh, Knights and the Chaos Warriors. So a lot of those units have Chaos uh, Rune Shields, which give them that five up mortal wound save, which means that they will not benefit from this six up mortal wound save. So it's just an other example of where it comes in there or why people won't take it. What I will say is that, um, especially if your list is considering spending a lot of um, command points and things like making things part and attack twice, or giving knights a real charge and plus one to hit from a Chaos Lord on a mount, you might not have many command points left over just for a, a quick inspiring presence. So it may be useful for that sense. But because you're, in the most part, missing out on that second bit, which is the general bit, which I understand isn't going to be the most common part of the undivided mark, because that's the general. It it just feels like um, a little bit of a sting for trying to go that way. So that's why I have um, haven't been running it, and I imagine that's why other people, like you've mentioned, Anthony, haven't been running it. I think when I think about building a Slaves to Darkness army, I'm thinking at minimum a power pair. I'm thinking about what hero is supporting a troop and which combination of markings uh, is going to make that unit even better. Um, then I'm thinking as well, holistically, my army, uh, which marking of a Chaos God for my general would make as much of my army as, as good as possible or what will give me more versatility or make my army just better. So I think, uh, again, when we get into your list, which is very, very, very soon, I feel like this is some like marketing scam uh, between, between all this stuff, but um, <laughs> it is coming very, very soon. I just want to get Mikey's opinions on the battalion yep. and then the idolator rules. So think about this, think about your markings. I think it can look a little bit complex, like, cool, it's taken me a long time to build my 2K list, but then how do I market? You know, do I go Slanesh? How do I go corn? And then how, how does it all work? And, you know, what was better? And I think a little bit of play testing, a little bit of theory, but think through overall, what is my army trying to do? And what combination of units and rules and markings is going to help me achieve that objective uh, better, more consistently, uh, give me more flexibility with the meta and handle, you know, some of the stronger armies, again, with a competitive mindset. Now, one thing that you got. And exactly. I, I think what you mentioned there as well. No, please continue. Uh, so I was just going to say um, one thing just to mention there, like what you said. Um, depending on the it just gives you loads of flexibility like for example you may be watching this video and i don't know a year from now and it turns out everyone's running undivided for some reason like so it's all it's all changeable and um what i would say the biggest tip is get used to measuring holy within 12 like that i know it happens a lot in other armies but this army um if you accidentally pile in a bit too far and your unit is no longer holy within 12 and let's say they're going to get some uh, attack bonus or a damage bonus depending on what you've gone for you're really going to feel that so it's just a big thing you have to it's worth missing out on a couple of attacks to make sure you get those bonuses and the context as well here guys is that we're recording this show uh before two key milestones 
One, the FAQ. So the FAQ will drop pretty soon. And normally I would wait for an FAQ, but we've also got the winter F uh, we've got the winter potentially points adjustment as well. So I could have waited for the FAQ to drop, but if Games Workshop up the pro the points or down the price uh, of any particular unit, then I think the list construction may change. But I think for us, it's more about how you, how we putting those rules into practice. So uh, again, whenever you're listening to this, uh, keep this in mind. Look at your own general's handbook. Look at if points have adjusted or FAQs have impacted us. Yeah, just just check the date of the video. Essentially, it'll, it'll be fine. We're, we're, yeah. we're evergreen. Um, one thing you did get with the idolators and. Um, and then we'll kind of put this will kind of tie in nicely to the rules is we got a battalion we got a unique battalion this iron reapers battalion and it's all based around um i guess you know chariots so chariots are cool we don't really see them very often uh we did see a little bit of chariot spam in uh cities of sigma um chariots have kind of started to come back because of yeah. their you know they've got, they've got a big base you know they're quite independent usually a lot of wounds um usually a lot of high movement uh, so, so when you guys get a battalion, it's like, cool. Okay. Well, this is potentially worthwhile. The iron, the iron, um, was it the iron something I've forgotten, um, already. Just, literally just, it was literally just above. Yeah, that. I know. I know. I'm, I'm, how much I put into looking at this. I'm, tr I'm trying to think of three things in advance. Uh, the iron <laughs> yeah. reapers. So sure, talk yeah. to me, does your list include the iron reapers? And if it does, why, uh, if not, why not? And by the way, what you got to take is you, uh, you get an iron, uh, an Eidolon Lord, uh, and two got a gore beast chariots. Um, all units from this battalion uh, must have the idolators and undivided keywords. And the idolator lord from this battalion is a unique named character. And you get a bunch of stuff the soul butcher, the profane ority. Um, you get a cool stuff. But are you taking it? And if you are, why? If you're not, why not? I'm not taking it. The short reason I can give you straight off is because you have to be undivided. And I think for things that we've already mentioned, undivided is not a great one. Um, and also because a lot of my army relies on, uh, for example, I'll just say like my list, a corn, and it relies on the corn aura. As soon as I go undivided, even if I go corn with the rest of my stuff, I'm going to be missing out. So already, when I'm just reading the requirements, I'm not a big fan. But what I will say is I absolutely love chariots. Um, I've built and painted one recently. I've got another one on the go at some point soon. So I wanted to make this work. But then when I read into the abilities, um, to be honest, the abilities, when you're reading them, some people may, may like them and they may think they're pretty cool. Um, but for me, as someone who wants a bit more reliability, I didn't see a massive benefit in it. So, for example, um, so I'm, sorry, my computer, the, re, uh, the Ryan's a bit small, so I'm just trying that's, to read it. But that's all right. I, I, I can read them out. So, yeah, the, two, the two different rule sets you've got is uh, the Soul Butcher, which the Chaos Great Blade used by the Idolator Lord um, from this battalion, has an attacked characteristic of four instead of two, and the damage characteristic of D3 instead of two. In addition, uh, if the unmodified hit roll uh, for the attack made by the weapon is a six, uh, that attack inflicts D3 mortal wounds to the target and the attack sequence ends. And I know Jonathan in the chat at the moment um, called that something that I agree with, is that I don't like that the damage two became a D3. I don't like that we went from a consistent, a consistent figure the liability of the to series. a swing. Yeah. I, I, would, I will always take damage two over D3 because while you got the potential of a, th a three, you got the potential of doing a one. So I'd rather the flat two. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's why I said about the reliability. Don't get me wrong. I love the two extra attacks. I love the fact that your um, was on the six is the hit. It's the D3 mortals. That's great. If they missed out the last, well, it's not the last, it's like the middle bit, isn't it? The D3 damage bit instead of the two damage. It's just annoying. I mean, I had a quick read of it again today, uh, today to see if it had to be the uh, Chaos Great Blade, because I was like, actually, you can give this guy the Flail, and I think the Flail has six or D6 attacks, so maybe one damage going to D3 could be quite... No, it has to be the Great Blade, so... It's not helping the fact that I wasn't liking it from the start, because you've got to be undivided, and then the bonus of taking the Battalion, or one of the bonuses, I'm not liking either. So it's uh, not putting enough positives into my book for... Uh, for it so far but the i'll say the next the next command trait is good i'll say that which is nice about it and, and as you've mentioned uh by going idolators um there's no artifact um correct me if i'm wrong there's no artifact table here no. so um what that, yep so what that also then means folks is that you get your, you, you do get your command point you do get your additional uh cp for taking a battalion but because there is no um artifacts table here it does mean that we can only choose from the realm, which means you're going to, at minimum, ha have two if you took the battalion, two artifacts, but there's only one choice available to you. So um, it does make it a little bit hard. The other rule, by the way, the command trait is at the start of the combat phase, you can pick one friendly slave to darkness unit wholly within 18 of this general. Add one to the hit rolls for attacks made by the unit uh, you picked until the end of the phase. So... Um... Yeah, you're absolutely right. We said about the battalion. So, if anything, because you're not getting that artifact, this battalion just becomes more ex more expensive for its points. Um, and then the command trait, I say I do like that. The only problem I have with it is that if you want to make you your well, your army as combat offensive as you can, for example, I've gone corn because even missing out of this plus one to hit, it's still going to be more offensive in the core mark. So, it's a little bit like it's. I don't really know what this battalion is trying to do. And if I'm honest, it's not one of those situations. Go, oh, I, I just can't run my chariot. You know, like, it's a shame. I, I want to run my chariots, but I can't. Go Ruinbringers. Ruinbringers is a better chariot battalion than this one. So you still got a battalion out there for your chariots. Unfortunately, like, if you could just scroll up for a second, Anthony, to the picture, if you go all the way to the top. When they did a quick preview of the photo, absolutely loved this battalion. Couldn't get enough of it. And then if you scroll down to the uh, rules, I didn't like it as much, unfortunately. So I was quite excited for it, and especially how there's a box for it as well, which, again, you can use for room bringers and everything else. If you purchase that box, you know, they're still used for it. But they had an opportunity, and I feel like they missed it. Oh, well, you're not a fan at the moment. Who knows? Who knows? Again, mm -hmm. changes may come. White Dwarf Erratas might come. Games Workshop exactly. might do some things. We don't know what's happening right now. He not to Slanish might come in and change things up. But essentially... Um, I mean, there is potential. I think there is some potential here. Uh, there is some negatives, but I think the potential as well is that the battalion only has to be undivided keywords. So your idolator, sorry, idolator, your idolator it's lord a, a doesn't have to be the general. So uh, it can be a little contained unit. Uh, this this three battalion, they they they're undivided, and everyone else is god marked somewhere else. Uh, it's just something to keep in mind when you look at this. Sorry, I was just gonna. I didn't want to. I'm just going to say, because it's the Idolator Lord, I believe he has to be he has to be your general in the Idolators. So if they're off on their own, the rest of your army is missing out on that. 
that general buff, which um, we'll read if I if I'm wrong, we'll quickly read through it. Both no, you, you probably know a bit than I do, yeah. so uh, just yeah, you know, like for, I for me, I've tried to make this work. I really have, but like I say, times may change. Um, it may become useful. Well, Games Workshop, if they don't give artifacts in the if there is a winter FAQ, they may notice the fact that maybe this battalion can be a bit cheaper. Um, like for example, um, Ostrich Bone Reaper battalions, because you don't get the well, the command points useless to you. I've noticed they're a bit cheaper as well, so maybe they'll do something like that. You know. Cool. We'll move on because we're kind of harping on the, the look. I, th I think generally it's not as strong as it could be. Yeah. If you run chariots already and you want to try something different, go do it. I think if I was looking at this and would this inspire me to go buy some chariots? Probably not unless I had a plan. I don't think it's quite strong enough for me to bring this into my list. I think there are just too many good tools available to you. But talking about idolators, so then our idolators gets a whole bunch of cool stuff. So uh, when you choose the damn legion keyword for your slaves to darkness, so we're forfeiting the other damned legions. Um, basically, you choose the idolator keyword instead of the one that's listed. So again, now everyone's going to get the idolator keyword. Uh, and you do get a whole bunch of cool things. Uh, and Kyle in the chat saying only the priest can get the general trait for the idolators, uh, and you can only have one idolator lord, so it has to be the general. So it should yeah. be the general. So that makes complete sense. And I think this is the context when we start looking at things. You're like, right, now I can see why I would take it, or now I can see why I wouldn't take it. And being restricted to your general, that being that lord, being your general, and not having the ability to mark corn, zench, slanish, or nurgle, that might benefit your army better the trade-off for taking the battalion and going uh, undivided isn't quite there. Yeah. Cool. So you, you get a, a couple of things. Um, I'll read them out, Mikey. You you give me your thoughts. You tell me what you're thinking here, and then we'll get into your list. Yep. So uh, first off, you've got the Blessed of Chaos. So you add one to the prayer rolls for your Idolator Priest. In addition, units in your army with the Priest keyword have the Leader Battlefield role. Um, I, to be honest, like, you know, after the talk and we've just given so far about the eye layers, I really like this. This is a great ability. This means that my Chaos War Shrines are now doing their prayers on a two up. And there's no way the enemy is going to stop those prayers. And as we'll go into in the list, some of those prayers are particularly good. And if you're going to take a I later Lord, I, the chariot, who will get to essentially he becomes a priest and um, he gets plus one to it as well. So you're only failing on ones. Now, as long as you don't have luck like me, most of your prayers will be going off throughout the game with this. And it's what, so your prayers quite quickly um, with your Chaos War Shrines and stuff, some of them are kind of like your go-to spells in Slaves of Darkness. So now this is meaning you're not relying so much on your magic casters, your wizards, who um, don't inherently really get any pluses to cast. So, and a lot of their spells are like on a cast on a seven, so it's a bit risky. This is so much more reliable to get some of those um, buffs off so i'm absolutely um fan of this one this is my probably my favorite thing about this sub allegiance and i really don't think it can be underestimated just how solid that is you've got the panoply of rune I wish james workshop would make my life easier with oh, articulation yeah. <laughs> see idolated cultist units that have uh sorry idolated cultists uh, unit have the the battle line uh, battlefield role. In addition, when you make a charge roll for the idolator cultist unit, change the lowest dice to a six. Uh, if you roll the doubles, uh, so if you sorry, if you roll a double, change one of them to a six. So basically, your your um, your warcry uh, cultists. So everything that's available in warcry. I mentioned iron golems. You, you Corvus Cabal. All of those guys become battle line. 
and they basically become marauders in a sense that you know they from a consistency of charge point of view mm -hmm. like unless you roll like a double one or like a double yeah, two only if you get a double i know okay so they don't have the horn blower so with marauders because they got the horn blower for some reason they needed a plus one to charge as well so they will fail on a uh, a two and a three on like a nine inch charge but that's fantastic if you wanted to spend a command point re-roll it like it's uh, there's nothing wrong with that as well and what i want to say also like because they're you know their battle line that's cool i mean what i would say states of darkness um a lot of the times when i end up building my list i just somehow happen to have so many battle line units without intentionally doing it but it's not just like oh that, that's the thing when it comes to things like um some of the battle plans out there and i may forget a few of them so i'll forget i was them. i was literally gonna go the yeah. same place I think and i'm just gonna go there with the quickly say before i forget about it with the priests becoming leaders, there's some of those battle plans as well that help with leaders. So there's there's some tech in there which you could use. I think for me, like you're right, like the, uh, we, we we compared them to cities of Sigmar in the past, where it's like you know my city's army. I have no concern about getting my my battle line requirements. Like literally three quarters of my army is battle line, which is one great from the list tech point of view. Two, uh, now that some of our scenarios are rewarding us for taking uh, getting additional VP for being secured or being burnt or whatever it might be from a from a battle line unit, straight up having your cultists get the battle line keyword either a means you can put more points into non-battle line units and if you want to run you know some big beasts or some big elite units go do it or it means you've got more objective scoring potential and more ability to to get bonus vps uh by more of your army being battle line so i think that's really cool i've been so impressed by iron golems um I played a couple, oh, yeah. of, a couple of small Sweet. units, like people running just units of nine. I think it is. They come in nines. Eight. But I, I, I played. I played. I think. I swear it was eight. I was either eighteen or or higher than that, and it was just crazy cool. But yeah, they, um, they are good. And just like I know a lot of people. Um, I know you mentioned the Iron Golems, but quite a few people write off some of the other ones. What I would say is, um, I think uh, one of my videos, I reviewed them for about an hour, like all the different war cries. And they do have some use. Like, for example, you go unmade, uh, you know, the the ones who, they're not dedicated to Sunesh, but they skin their faces for their, you know, agony as their gift, something like that. They're very Sunesh. -y. If you go with them, if they're in combat of an enemy unit, that enemy unit can't retreat. So if you can try and tag an enemy unit there, and if you go like, well... I'm going to want to have them on the flank so they don't get hit because they've got a six-up save. So how am I going to guarantee charge? They've got the bonus to charge now. So if you've got some points left over, and these things are, I'm pretty sure the Walker ones at the moment are like 70 points. So yeah, you can do some good things with them. It's worth having a look. The uh, Untamed Beast as well with the, is it the pre-game six-inch move? Yep. That is... You can use it as well to, uh, well, depending on like, th this is very specific, but I know like, for example, with the, the Stormcast Liberators running around at the moment, you can use it as a way to try and vent off against what I would say is a very competitive list. So, you know, exactly. There are things you can use, which is good. Cool. Uh, the next rule you've got is the Idolator Lord. So you can upgrade one of the Chaos Chariots or Gore Beast Chariots in the unit um, uh, with, with one model uh, in the army. If you do so, it gains the Idolator, Lord, Hero, and Priest keyword. Um, it, it, it's an exalted charioteer, uh, even though it has one model, and you must give it the mark of either Corn, uh, Zench, Noble, Slanish, or Undivided. Uh, an Eidolon Lord knows the prayers from the Idolator prayers table, 
Um, so there's a whole bunch of what's that? One, two, three, four, five, five prayers. Um, uh, six. Six. Is it six? I think no, it's five. It's five. It's five. Yeah, only five. So you get yeah, yeah. you get four prayers uh, on the following page. So, um, I guess we're not running chariots here. So it's it's a bit of a, a, a redundant ability, or is it just oh. is it, or is it just we, we don't take the battalion, but we, but we still do take a chariot. Um, so my thinking with this is I'm not taking the battalion like I've already mentioned, but. I am taking at least one chariot to become my um, idolator lord. And in my list, one of them is a gore beast, and then the other one, one of them is an, a chaos chariot. So one's with horses and one's with the big uh, gorilla looking thing. So we've Spoiler got both. Alert. Spoiler exactly. alert. Spoiler alert. But I'll, I'll sort of save it most of the talking for them. But just to quickly say, um, one of the things I like about it is because if you don't go with this, you're missing out on the um, like another way to do some prayers for example so you feel like you're missing out a little bit and he he can do some we'll, we'll get to in a moment some uh useful couple of prayers but the reason i like having him as my general is because for not a lot of points you're getting the base size of a manticore for the aura of chaos ability so i'm using him really as a cheap way to get that um to extend my aura and the other thing as well is that you know it's nice that he becomes the exalted just to quickly explain what that means is basically if you have a unit of more than one uh chaos chariots normally it used to be just one but if you have more than one in a unit one of them is exalted and he gets to add one to his i think it's the great blade or whatever if you give him the flare which you're not going to do so his great blade gets plus one to hit which is very useful especially how um We'll talk later in my list of how that comes in useful, but you know, it's another bonus, isn't it? And uh, again, he's a leader. So that's another, um, oh, sorry, what'd you call it for when it comes to things like uh, Total Conquest, Scorched Earth, things like that. I'm trying to remember the battle plans that you get. Mate, in, 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 a, in a couple of months time, this might change as well. We've got General's Handbook 21 coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But any any way that you, you score additional VPs, any additional ways that, uh, leaders may contest or challenge or there's something might come up with the leader you've gained uh an additional cheap way to buff your your units as well as you've gained some additional ways to get some vp so um a cheeky little addition but as we kind of mentioned probably not worth going into the battalion um there's just yeah. too many trade-offs that just probably aren't worth it the you last still have one called chariot in your list yeah yeah take take one chariot maybe don't go or maybe don't go the battalion uh is what i'm kind of hearing the last thing you're going to get is you're going to get oh you actually kind of get two things um you've got the the des destroy the false idol so you add one to the wound rolls for attacks made by the idolator models that target a priest not bad <laughs> not a lot of priests out there you might handle the daughters of cain meta that's quickly coming up yeah what i will say is that so i did a very quick before this video look on games workshop to see how many priests there are now this doesn't mean this is how many wash girls there may be separate models but in all of Age of Sigma, there are 15 priests. Bear in mind, some of them come from Slaves of Darkness itself. So, um, but, I'll, you know, Nagash is a priest. So if you're going against a Nagash, it could be you. Don't forget is what I'm going to say. In your other nine games, you'll forget because it won't be useful. In this one, or like you said, Daughters of Cain. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have never fought Daughters of Cain, or, nor do I intend to. But um, if I do, my eye lasers will be ready. 
yeah, good luck getting through the witch elves to uh, get to those priests. But uh, a nice little cheeky thing. There's probably a couple of priests out there, maybe heroes, like you said, Nagash, that might be valuable. But mm. um, but what, what the other thing you get with that is, uh, in addition, you've got Desecrate. So you can use this command ability in your hero phase. If you do so, pick one friendly idolater unit that's wholly within 12 of a friendly idolater lord and within three inches of a terrain feature that is a part of the enemy's army. So we're talking here about basically the allegiance terrain. Um, then roll a dice. If the roll is greater than the number of enemy models within three inches of that terrain, that terrain feature is desecrated. Senior rules are for desecrated terrain um, do not apply for the, uh, to the for the rest of the battle. So what, what I'm hearing is that you're going to delete uh, a faction-based terrain. Sorry, my dog just decided to get under the table. and uh, That's okay. Me. He's welcome. He's fine. As long as he doesn't come under the microphone and snore like he likes to do. <laughs> we'll but, find um, out. Um, so, the, so the interesting thing for me, Mikey, and maybe you disagree or you agree with me, is that um, so we're talking here about um, terrain that's a part of the enemy's army. So we're talking both tide nexus, we're talking gloom tide shipwreck, we're talking um, you know all that type of stuff. Seraphon yeah. Temple. First Still off, is yeah, Silver's yeah. Wildwoods. Some of them are going to be easier to get to than others. So things like the Loon Shrine. Good luck getting to a Loon Shrine unless you've got a mad teleport. But is it is it even worth doing it anyway? Uh, but things like the Bone Tithe Nexus, I've really enjoyed destroying with my Gargans lately. Mm -hmm. um, so it. Uh, Probably very similar to the priest rule, right? It's going to come up occasionally. You just yeah. got to remember it. I remember, to be fair, like we, we did a video the other day where we talked about when your giants could do this as well. And um, it is useful. And I say like the Bone Tide Nexus, I, I almost think it's a little bit, when you compare it to some other terrain, it's just like, it's just good no matter what. So it's nice to be able to turn it off. Um, am I going to spend a command point on it? It really depends on just how much it's going to annoy my opponent. So probably yes. Well, we'll see, you know, like I said, some terrain features going to be harder. You also have to, uh, did it, sorry, did it say that you have to have more models uh, next to it than the enemy does? Yeah, if you roll a dice and it has to be greater than the number of uh, enemy models. So there's a good likelihood that uh, within three inches. So uh, there's a good chance that your Sylvaneth Wildwoods are probably going to have Dryads or Spite Revs or something. So rolling a dice above uh, that number might be hard unless they've moved away from the Wildwoods. Um, hey, what, what I'd say is that depending on how you want to build your list, I mean, you're probably going to benefit from the uh, cultists getting, be uh, getting better. If you're like me, you're going to put a chariot in there, so you're going to also benefit from that, and you're going to benefit from plus one to prayers. So these other two things, the um, plus one to wound against priests and this, um, like you compare them quite similarly, well, I'd say they're just tools. They're just tools you can use. They may be useful in your game. Um, but the priest thing, just ask your opponent if they've got any priests. They'll probably have to maybe think, do I have a priest? But they're just tools. It's an extra ability. It's better having that than, you know, a blank, and it may be useful, so... Look, there's some good stuff in there, but it's probably not going to apply. Basically, where I'm going with this is that it's not going to apply in every game. Just be mindful. So if you do have a priest, maybe something you want to ask in when you when you set up, uh, and or think about those faction terrain. I probably wouldn't be thinking about this. Uh, I think I'd rather just kick my opponent in the in the crotch then. But hey, uh, I've enjoyed destroying two bone tide nexuses already. I can't wait to destroy a, a gloom tide shipwreck. Uh, it's just so much fun shutting shutting down that bone tide nexus. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to add to the idolators? You, you do get uh, six different uh, 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 priest 
priest uh, command traits available to you, and we'll talk a little bit about those as in within your list. Um, and we did mention that there are prayers as well, so we we'll talk about mm -hmm. that in context. So that's what you get for being idolaters, um, as well as as we mentioned the battalion. So, Mikey, you've you've given me two lists, two idolator lists. We're going to yep. go through it, and I'd love to know why you've chosen and how this is all going to work. So for the friends joining us later on the podcast, uh, the first list is idolator list number one, very creative listing. You are coming from the land of Gur, and you are the damn legion of idolaters. What you've got in your list is the idolator lord on the Gorbeast chariot, which is the general. You've got the command trait of fiery, fiery or orator um and the artifact <laughs> of the predator talk with the mark of chaos and the blessing of corn prayer you've also got velocor which is the mask of darkness you've got the chaos lord on kakadrak which is also marked as corn we have 40 chaos marauders with uh axe and shield marked corn five chaos knights with cursed lance marked corn five chaos knights cursed lance marked corn uh rinse and repeat five chaos knights Cursed Lance, Mark Corn. I told you I like my Cursed Knights. Uh, and, and we'll find out very soon why you've chosen uh, Knights. I really like Knights, but then why you've also gone Corn for that extra uh, extra buffs. Uh, and then finally, you've also got the one that slaves to darkness, Chaos Spawn. I just recently played some Chaos Spawns in Beasts of Chaos, and my God, they are an awesome investment for 50 points. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. You've also got yeah, Double War are. Shrine. So you've got a Chaos War Shrine uh, marked corn, Chaos uh, War Shrine marked corn with with the Rune Bringer uh, Warband with an extra yeah. CP. So that comes in at 2K on the nose. Lots to go through. Uh, talk Lots. me through a little bit about your hero choices. What's Bellacor, Idolator Lord on Gore Beast, and Kakadrak bring into the table? Why corn? Why the artifacts? So the idea I had behind this is I, I also wanted to try because I thought, you know, this is very sort of it wants you to take chariots, this uh, sub allegiance. So I thought, why not try and maximize it? We'll take the room bringer battalion. So that also brings in quite a few of my unit choices. But the reason why we've gone for the Idolated Lord on Gorby's chariot, as an example, is because in, um, well, he becomes the uh, general, obviously, but why are we going for the Gorby instead of the horses? And that's really because in the Ruinbringer Battalion, which I know I'm jumping to that already, but essentially what that means is if a member from that battalion, i.e. the Free Knights, the uh, Chariot, and then the uh, Chaos Lord and Kartrak, if they make a charge, um, they pick an enemy unit. I think it's one inch or three inch off the top of my head. I've just, for annoyingly, that's just gone off my head. You, but, you keep continuing. I'll go find it. Cool. Fantastic. Um, you roll a dice. And well, you pick an enemy, you roll dice, and on a two up, you do D3 mortal wounds. The Gorby's Chariot has that in his war scroll as well. So on the charge, you're rolling two dice, and on a two up for each of those dice, you're doing D3 mortal wounds, which is quite a nice impact from your chariot. And that's uh, the, uh, the Ringbringer, but uh, is it the Warband? Warband, yeah, I think it's Warband. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it is each time for a unit from this battalion finishes a charge move, you can pick one enemy unit within one inch of that unit. That's fine. Yeah, if you do some um, roll advice. You have to finish within half an inch of an enemy unit anyway. So that's that's not a problem at all. Um, so yeah, that, that's why I've liked that. Um, and then that sort of comes down to um, if we go to the artifact, the uh, predatory talk from uh, from Gur, the realm of beast, that allows you to re-roll your charge. So you, if you miss that charge, you're not going to spend a command point to do it. You've, you've got the roll there. Um, it's why I like that. Um, and then, so we've got him. He's going to be running alongside two of your units of knights. 
and uh, what you call it, he has got the fiery ordinator, however you pronounce it. And uh, what that means is he can do two prayers. So he can only do the corn prayer because unlike the Chaos War Shrines that can do any prayer, doesn't matter what you're dedicated to, in uh, the Idolaters, the Idolator Lord, who gets access to the prayers, can only do the prayer to what he is marked with, um, which means that he can do it, which is not bad. It allows you to pick one of the units, hold even 12 of them, and um, they get to reroll failed hit rolls. And it can also, of course, go on him, which is useful. And um, so that that's really him. The other reason, like I said, I liked having him is because of that base size. So he's giving your, uh, to be honest, I'll save it, so I can talk about it now. Um, in corn, you get your reroll hit rolls of one. In melee, if you're holding in 12 inches of a corn march hero and your unit's corn. But if it's holding in 12 inches of the general, you're also getting plus one to wound as well, which is very nice. So if we talk about the Islet Lord, for example, just uh, the Great Blade, um, because he's getting plus one to hit from being um, the Exalted Charioteer, that means that he's got, I think it's, it's two attacks of it, um, two's the hit, rerolling ones, and then two's the wind, which is mi minus one, two damage. It means from something that when you first look at, I'm not going to lie, when you first um, look at these parrots and you think about them, you go, they're... I'm not really going to take them on my list. I don't really know how I'm going to make them work. But when you start building into them a little bit, like I've done here, you can show how they can be worth it. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's him. You're running him up. I, I will say that um, when I look at the command traits, there are a couple that really stand out for me. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one is probably the bolstered by hate. So if you don't like the the fiery ordinator or, or ATAR, um, you no, can add two to the wounds characteristic of um, of this general. So if you want to make that a little bit more survivable to kind of increase, I guess, the, the time on the table for your auras, um, that might be an alternative um, consideration. And again, you, you guys can season for taste, do what you want to do. But there are a couple of good choices, in my opinion. I probably wouldn't say all six of those. Um, no, there's the other one that gives you plus two attacks, I think. There's one of those. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, the smite of the unbeliever gets plus two attack for the melee weapon. Things like Lord of Terror at the moment, where you subtract one from the bravery characteristic. Um, at the moment, there's just too much bravery uh, ten as well as inspiring presence has too much of a. Uh, it's too good at the moment for mm -hmm. for the current game. So I think when I look at subtracting one from bravery, I'm not a huge fan in the current game. But, um, but the, the reason I look for the Gorby's chariot is. Um, as long as things line up well, I'm going to be charging him with my knights. And although when you go to the Gore Beast, he's got some nice damage, particularly if you get an eight to charge uh, or eight or more, I think it's plus one to hit and wound for the Gore Beast. So he can do some damage, um, but I'm more than likely, I'm always going to be attacking with my knights first. So I want to have the real hit rolls on both my knight units. And, um, and again, some of these things are repeated, like you can do that with a Chaos War Shrine, but basically what you're doing is you're rolling four prayer rolls here and you're only failing on ones on uh obviously a 1d6 so it's just increasing your reliability so uh that's why i like that um going on to bellacore he's almost uh, i'm sure you know anthony he's almost a also include in a lot of slaves of darkness list just because he has one very funny ability which i can't remember the name of off the top of my head but i most certainly know what it does and that, you're talking about dark, dark master uh yeah to so, do you want to have you got up there 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you've got to read it and then I'll see. So you're talking about uh, Dark Master. So after this uh, setup is complete, but before the first battle round begins, secretly pick one enemy unit on the battlefield. Once per battle, uh, at the start of the enemy hero phase, you can reveal which unit you picked. Until your next hero phase, your opponent must roll a dice each time the unit attempts to cast, uh, cast a spell, move, charge, or attack uh, with a weapon it's armed with. On a 1 to a 4, it can't do it. On a 5 plus, it can. So one in every three times, uh, according to Math Hammer, one in every three, you're going to stop somebody from casting a spell, moving, charging, or attacking. Yeah, so there's you know there's a, a third of a chance they'll be able to do what they want to do essentially, um, and why I like that is because most armies you fight, and I'm aware that some of the top meta lists may not be the case. But most armies you fight tend to have one big centerpiece, nasty model. Could be Teclis, could be Archeon, could be Nagash, whatever you want to call it. Could be Rafi, um, and oh, that's obviously a good choice. Or they could have um, a few big blocks. Let's just say a, a big box of. Um, which elves, for example, may not be able to do anything. It's also, for example, in a game that I went against, um, I went against Luna Realm Lords with uh, Teclis, and I just stopped Teclis casting his spells for a turn. I've seen that cool. happen a few yeah. times very effectively against Lord Croak because Seraphon yes, players build their army around Lord Croak. You know, they spend so many points to get the the bound bail, so get the bail in Vortex. They're going to put in Astralith Bearer, they're going to have Saurus Guard, they're going to have all this stuff, probably over a thousand points into the Croak NATO. Uh, and you literally just one in every five, you could go, nope, can't do that. Nope, can't do that. Yeah. Um, and I've it, seen it infuriate. Okay bunch of seraphon players alone let alone all the other different armies whether it's you know you got a buffed up terror geist in grizzle gore whether mm -hmm. you've got uh nagash whether you've got archeon whether you've well, got uh, a so my experience with Bedical at first was being the opponent against him and uh my local game mate called jamie he used it against nagash and nagash rolled to be able to do stuff 11 times in that turn and he, I think he succeeded on, no, he only succeeded on one, which was to move two inches to then try and charge and failed. So like it, it's it's huge and he's only costing you um, 240 points. So like it's great. And it essentially, it punishes the enemy for investing so much into one thing, which is, which is why I like it. He's also, if you take that aside, like that's the main reason he comes along and even to be the chaos list, that's why he's in there. If you take that aside, um, He's a two-cast wizard, which is great because you don't have many two-cast wizards in Slaves of Darkness, which, again, if I get this wrong, someone let me know in the comments, but you've got him, a Gaunt Summoner, and Archeon that can cast two spells. So, yeah, you know. It, it, uh, it, just, just someone in uh, in the chat, David Allen, mm -hmm. will give him a shout-out here because he brought up an interesting point as well, is that um, – and I'm, I'm, I'm just rereading the War Scroll just to, to clarify David's comment – but yeah. David's talking about the fact that you can still activate Bellacore's ability if he's dead because it doesn't seem to tie into into Bellacore. You oh, set yeah. it up. You set up the rule so you go Lord Croak, boom, Dark Master, five plus. You can't do anything. Sorry, sorry, one to four. You can't do anything. But it doesn't say that the rules are shrugged if Bellacore's not on the table. So um, that's really well, that's scary because most people have like in most average lists, Mikey. Um, mm -hmm. You have three main threats yeah maybe four but you normally have three centers of power in in most competitive lists and being able to shut down you know a, an army that has a hurricanum that is centerpiece to the army that if the hurricanum's not there you're not giving the pluses you can't activate this you can't do this 
you know, Marathi is going to teleport, do this, this, this. If you can just go five up, you can't do what you want to do. Um, that can throw off a lot of people's games. So for for a small amount of allocation of points, yes. Bellacore is such and, – and because it's not tied to the War Scroll, it's not like, cool, I kill Bellacore, turn one, I'm going to throw all of my spells into Bellacore, and if he's dead, the rule's gone. No. So I, I think that's a it's a great choice. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a really good point. Where uh, what, what was his name again? Sorry. Pardon? Um, I was just going to say, whoever, shout out on the chat. So it's really uh, good. David Allen, David Allen. Yeah, uh, David made a good point there because it, it's great. And I mean, like, um, the part of me that's um, a bit of a cheeky git is that when my opponent goes like, so if I kill Bellacore, does that make his ability go away? And I go, no, um, it's it's great. And, and David and Jonathan are both telling me in the chat as well that it's been FAQ'd too. So yeah, uh, oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely it's, confirmed. Like, yeah. I think when you read it off the war scroll, it, it confirms it. But and then I think some people maybe got annoyed, so they wanted it to be FAQ'd. It's fine. The other good thing about Bellacore is that when you activated it, um, let's say you took the priority, then your opponent's taken the second turn of the battle round, and you've activated it, activated it at the start of the hero phase. Remember, you have to activate it at the start of the hero phase. If they cast a spell and then you go, oh, I want to, it's a bit too late. Um, so you activate it, and then your opponent wins priority for the next battle round. And they go, yes, I'm going to take it. You go, cool. Better because ability is inactive until my next hero phase. So that's two turns of tech list, for example, not doing anything. Like, awesome. Right. Cool. Yeah, Alcor, cool. great choice. Yeah, cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll move on. yeah. No, 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 no. Like it's it's a great pick. Uh, if you want to know more about Velocor, um, like, like I think it's just a great choice. I think regardless, it's a great utility piece. If nothing more, it's a debuff. Um, I've, I've probably able to. So I should say on my like hero video, I've, I've probably talked about him for about 15, 20 minutes. So if you want to check that out, like there's more, there's more tech about him there. But he's, I'd summarize, he's the easiest auto include in the army, more than the Chaos Sorcerer Lord. I'd say. The other, the other one you've got is the Chaos Lord on Kakadrak, something yes. that you see a lot ever since this model got released, uh, mm -hmm. I feel like 12 months ago, maybe a little bit longer ago. It's a wonderful model. I love the sculpt. More importantly, it has really good rules, mm -hmm. and it supports your army really well. So why Chaos Lord on Kakadrak? Uh, why isn't the general? And why? Because uh, you do often see the Kakadrak as the general. And then yeah. why have you decided to market corn and then subsequently mark everyone else corn? So the Chaos Lord on Kakadrak, First off, like I said, he's awesome. I love how I painted him up. I want to run him. So put that to the side. Why am I taking my list? So firstly, the reason why he's not the general is just because in the um, idolators, you're just missing out for me a bit too much if you're not taking a chariot as the general. So um, the reason why I've taken him, and a big question you ask when you take a Curse Lord and Cock Drag into your army is why am I not taking a Curse Lord on Demonic Mount for, I think, 170 points, so 60 points cheaper. That's that's almost, for example, we mentioned a Chaos Spawn. That's also nearly a Warcry War Band. You know, that's a big points difference. It's one of the Ender Spells. Um, so why are we taking him? He has a free up save, which is really amazing. For, uh, for something like that. He's got a nice amount of wounds. He's got nine wounds on him. Also in the Runebringer Battalion, he's like the um, uh, Chaos Gorby's Chariot, where when he makes a charge, roll a dice for a unit within, we're going to say one inch rim. Um, on a two-up, it's D3 Mortal Wounds. With the Runebringer's Warband, you're rolling two dice for that. So that's a it's a nice thing for him there. He's also, because in this list, we don't have many heroes. Yes, we have... I believe five leaders. We don't have many heroes, so I wanted him to be a bit more survivable than um, a Chaos Lord and Demonic Mount. And um, he's a, I'll be honest, when I looked at his war score at first, 
I think I was like, oh, I just wish he was a he, like his big axe. Wish I had Rendell. He was just a little bit more. I'll tell you what, I've been running him in uh, on TTS and man, is he, is he done so much pain? I'm like so happy how well he has performed. He got charged by 10 uh, Drakespawn Knights, which is, you know, this is a Sigma. They're the uh, Dark Elf Riders, right? Got charged by 10 of them, right? They attacked him first and then he killed eight of them that turn. Like, absolutely. Absolutely mental. There's ways in this army with the war shrines if you wanted to to uh, give this guy a reroll failed saves. So free up, free rolling. Um, he's got a five up mortal wound save as well, um, and his command ability works very well with the chaos knights. Which, and to be honest, the chariot if you wanted to, which is you pick one of the um, a chaos knight unit or a Gorby's chariot unit, and they get to reroll their charge and um, they add one to hit rolls if they. I think if they uh, charge that turn. Which, um, again, with um, because like uh, the room bringing of Italian, which you know, I, I'm missing out on artifacts, yes, but it's given me that extra command point. So, on my turn one, because I paid for an extra one, I've got three command points to chuck away to spend on a re to uh, just uh, to spam some of these abilities as much as I can. So, that's why I like the uh, Chaos Lord and Carcharack. The reason I've gone corner something that I've mentioned earlier, which like I say, say, I like to make. My whole army corn, not all of it, because uh, Bellacore has to be undivided. It's something I should mention. He's also a named character, so he can't take an artifact. Quartric, something I should also say for him is that he um, he is, I, I don't know if it's called ethereal, but he's practically ethereal, so it doesn't take rent. So that's another cool thing about him. But uh, yeah, that's why I love the Chaos Lord on Karkdrak. Simply a model. The, the other cool thing I, I, I'll call out is you talked about his durability, the, the three plus armor save, the five plus mortal wound shrug. Uh, in addition, um, something that you can forget about and it might come into the order that the attack sequence that you might put into yes, is the um, if you slay a, a model with the hexed battle axe, uh, it can heal up to D3 wounds. So it might mean if you're fighting a multi-wound um, hero or, or, or a unit, we know with multiple wounds, you might want to put some of the other attacks in before the the, the hex battle axe. Because uh, it does hit on threes, wound on threes, no rend though. But being able to get additional D3 wounds back at the end of the combat phase um, just adds to that durability that we've been talking about. Yeah. And so I just want to add that, you know, like um, you say a hit and wounds and freeze, right? So, uh, yeah, uh, the, the, the the hex battle axe is five attacks, threes, threes, no rend for damage two. So like it's missing rend, but the thing what I love about Slays of Darkness, and I sort of wanted to wait until we look at the list to talk about it properly, is when you read War Scrolls in your Slays of Darkness, that's not as good as your Slays of Darkness actually are. They're a lot better. Like that Chaos on Karkstrak, when I make sure he's in range of that uh, Chaos Gorby's chariot, he's uh, five attacks, for example, for that axe, uh, hit on freeze, three rolling ones, win on twos. Straight shout out, just buff yeah, shout out my, my mate Dave in the chat again, who's talked about marking his uh slanish Kakadrak Lord with the uh incandescent rage blade, um, uh, and then the flames of spite to give six, six, uh, any six to hit is three hits. So, uh, again, season to taste, guys. If you want to mark your, you know, whatever Nurgle or Zench mm -hmm. or, or Slanesh. Obviously, we're just putting this into theory, but you build you build the list how you want to build it. But there's just another example of just cool oh, ways yeah. you can just build the list. You can um, give it um, if you're you know if you stick to the realm artifacts as well. Like that's, that's a great one, um, Dave said. But if you want to give him the one from Shaiish, for example, which is you know real save rolls a one, that's just a flat up free up save rerolls and ones, just like as an inherent thing. With the enemy doesn't have much mortal wound or rend potential, they're probably just not going to bother with him, and um, and yeah, I, I, 
I personally think it's great. And like you said, the order of your attacks, there has been times where I've missed out some attacks just because um, you have to try and stack it well because um, we said he's very durable. Um, there are things in this game that can chuck six more wo uh, mortal wounds at him in a turn if they want to try and kill him off. So you need to uh, remember this stuff. There's actually been some interesting times where he can turn into a demon prince during the game and I've decided to keep the... Uh, Chaos Lord on Karkadrak because I think he's better in some cases. So it's a yeah, a awesome model and for finally a great model with great rules because that's not no, the case unfortunately. I, I, I know you've made Doug two plus tough in the chat very proud when he said uh, uh, nothing makes him more happy than a competitive list build talking about the model. So uh, we're very lucky to have some very cool models. Uh, yes. May, may, maybe not in that camp is the 40 Chaos Marauders. So you I think we know what that Marauders do. They, they do need a little bit of an update in their sculpts. Sorry, not Scoric yeah. uh, Chaos Marauders. Anything that you want to add from like a marking of corn and why you've got them in this list, other than obviously the guaranteed charges, the uh, just the sheer amount of damage it can do. Um, so there's a lot of cheap things. Just in case... I know like we all talk about like oh marauder you know we all know what they do just in case there's anyone watching out there why you know why have i gone with um axe and shields for example essentially when i'm in the combat phase i believe the uh, shield gives you plus one to save so you're not a six up save anymore you're a five up and then the axes have two attacks which is very nice um and then 40 marauders yes their sculpts need to be updated but to be honest i'm tempted just to convert some and the reason why they're in this list is quite simply because this list has, now that we're moving on to the more units, they are wave one. So this list has two waves to it. And I, you know, you could play against an opponent which buggers up your strategy, but let's just say your strategy can play it how I'm going to describe essentially. You teleport your Marauders via Bellacore into the enemy turn one, i.e. by making Bellacore outside of any unbind range. Um, but still wholly within 12 inches of the Marauder, so sort of like in the middle of them. And then he teleports them, let's just say, in front of the enemy lines, just outside nine inches away. Um, your Marauders are only failing that charge on a double one, and then they're into the enemy. What you're also going to do when you're doing that is you're going to, um, well, actually, before you teleport them, I should say, you're going to put the Zeech Prayer on them from the Chaos War Shrine, which gives them reroll saves, and now they've got a five-up save re-rolling. And then you're going to put the Chaos Undivided Prayer on them, which is arguably the best one, to make them reroll hit rolls and wound rolls. And I know you're shaking your head, and I can't tell you, I know I'm going to be talking positive here, but I can't tell you how much it annoys me that the Chaos Marauders are one of the strong maybe the strongest unit in the book because I, number one, don't like the models, don't mind saying that. And they're the weakest. They are just above Warcry. Why the Chaos War? Anyway. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. Chaos, Chaos Warriors should be the buffed guys. Um, but just, uh, again, Sorry, Chaos I'll, Marauders. I'll point. Sorry. What, what, yeah, what, what makes them cool? Just, you know, we talked about, you know, changing the lowest dice to the highest dice. So we're making a six. Yeah. Um, so it basically means that, you you know, you're guaranteeing the charge because you're, is it the icon bearer or the musician gives uh, the you? musician, uh, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, the drummer. The drummer. Yeah, yeah, plus one, isn't it? Uh, just plus one to the run and charge roll. So if you're making a uh, your lowest dice is a six, one uh, one to the charge roll, so it's a seven. As long as you don't roll a, a double one, as long as you don't roll snake eyes, you've guaranteed the charge from a Chaos Marauder. Yes. And just for the context of how powerful that is, statistically to roll a nine on two dice is a 25% success rate statistically. 
So you have just changed the odds to like a 98 or a 95% chance of success, um, which is crazy good, which is why people are like Marauders, Marauders. Yeah, that's why people love them. The other thing I will say about them is that once they're in combat, they may look like, you know, naked barbarians, but the fact that they've got that re-roll that re uh, five-up save is huge. So what you're going to want to do is once you put all this and stacked on them, you're going to set them up, obviously, nine inches away from the enemy. In the movement phase, you're also going to um, run pretty much the rest of your army up bar... Depending on how much deep striking your enemy has, you may want to keep some things back. But let's just say they don't have deep striking, so you move things up. Um, you want to make sure that either your Gorby's Chariot is always going to be as close as he can to the Curse Marauders or the Curse Lord and Karkadrak as just another hero. So when you charge Curse Marauders in, you want to string them out so they'll be within six inches of your Curse Lord and Karkadrak or they'll be within 12 inches, being the general, of your... Um, uh, Idolator Lord Gorby's Chariot, so you can always inspire presence them just to annoy the enemy even more. Which means the idea is that you tie up the enemy for a turn or two. The other thing, because of the ability, the prayer that you know, you think rerolls hits is good, yeah, we'll make it reroll wounds as well. Because why not? Um, you're going to actually do, unless you're going against certain army builds, an incredible amount of damage. Like, if the enemy hasn't screened properly, it really like I think you have to fight against Marauders to. To then be wary of what this tech is, because you also you also get your plus one to hit when there's ten or more models. You get you get, uh, rend, you get uh, plus yeah. one rend, or you get a, a rend from a, a no rend to a rend one when there's twenty models. So um, you know yeah, you it, probably charge first with you know a whole bunch of of, of marauders. Uh, there's going to be a lot of attacks as you mentioned with the rerolls. So that, this is this is just one of the many examples of why this this range is very good, but with context is this mod this range could go up in price so the points have been people have been whinging about marauders for probably a good six to 12 months now uh the winter faq may change this there may be an faq or a points adjustment so i would not uh go and, and go buy ask santa for christmas yeah uh please santa can i get 120 marauders uh probably isn't the, the the smartest investment right now and this is why i haven't converted up any marauders and this is why when i like I said, I've done that big long review on the Slay's Darkness units, and um, I talked about Marauders very quickly because I'm like, I think something is going to happen to them in the future, so I don't want to talk about them for too long. Um, what I will say also, as I saw, um, just a quick in case it comes up in any questions, I saw people um, say that, oh, if Marauders get debuffed, you know, Slay's Darkness doesn't stand a chance. There's so much to this army past the Marauders. I just want to get that out now. Um, so basically, you've got your Marauders. They've tied up the enemy. They've probably killed the majority of their screen if not also if you're lucky enough you've managed to charge them in and you've managed to get a high run roll for your war shrine that maybe they're getting that six up um ignore damage as well could be a thing and um yeah they've, they've tied up the enemy so then turn when you go into like turn two the enemy can't uh retreat and charge or they can't fly um, or they're struggling to teleport. What you're also then going to do is have your second wave, which you've run up the board, your Chaos Knights, and then charge them into whatever the Marauders did not kill. And bear in mind, Chaos Knights, so we've nicely moved on to them now, I think. 
And oh, just, I, I was going to slightly nudge you. Like, let's, yeah, I, think, yeah. I, think, I think the point's been made about yeah. the, the Marauders. Let's talk about these three sexy block of five Chaos Knights. Yes. So first off, why are we going with five and not ten? Purely, I find their base is just too big. It's annoyed me because I've converted up a unit purposely for ten, but I will give it a go. But for, like I say, I think five, their base is just a bit too big for more than that. So we've got, and also it fits the battalion perfectly. So we've got three units of five. Like I said, we're going to have two with the uh, Chaos Gorbis Chariot, and then we're going to have one with the uh, Chaos Orc and Carcass Track, not on the completely other side of the board, but just a bit more to the side because you don't want to have all your focus in one area. You want to spread this line out when you make that charge. Chaos Knights, the reason why I've given them lances is because, for me, if I was to give them um, the just the normal weapon, the um, was it in, in scrolled weapon, something like that, if I was it's to give them... Weapons? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and source of weapons, that's it. Um, if I was to give them that, for me, it's just a bit too boring. I want to have the lances. I want to have on the impact of these lances. Normally, they're just two attacks, force the hit, freeze the wound, no rend, and one damage. But they've got a two-inch range. But on the charge, they don't just go like up a little bit. They go from still two attacks, fours, and freeze. Um, but now they're minus two rend and two damage. And two attacks each. The champion, of course, is going to make an extra attack, which, you know, hey, that's another reason to go five because you're uh, getting more of that. But um, when they make the charge... The big thing with Chaos Knights is they need to kill whatever they're charging into. And in this game of Age of Sigma, five Chaos Knights, yeah, they're good. And you can put re-rolls on them, everything else. But chances are, even if they get all their damage through, they're not going to always kill what they're charging. So the fact that they're also getting that D3 Mortal Wounds on the two-up really does help with that. And that's something that I found. When I looked at building uh, this list, for example, so I've, I've played this list quite a few times now. And uh, I was like, I'm bringing the room. Uh, bring us a uh, warband because I think it's cool. I want to make it work, but I'm not too sure. It was like the car track. It was such a pleasure to see when this works. Don't get me wrong. There was one game, charge them all in, rolled nothing but ones. But when it does go off, you've got three uh, d three mortal wounds from the knights, and then you've got uh, potentially four d three mortal wounds from the uh, chariot and the car track together. And then you go to attack. Which means that, let's say the Marauders weren't successful in everything you wanted them to do, the mortal wound output they can do can do a good amount of help to getting rid of enemy screens. It's also what I found, especially when you've got that two-inch range. So you can then pile some in around. Um, the reason why I've gone with corn is because you can give it reroll hit rolls of one. So then you're hitting on fours, rerolling ones, which is nice. But like I said, we're going to have two, at least two, near um, the Gorbis Chariot, which means then you're wounding on twos. And if you want to, like I said, and this is why I've given the um, Fari Orinator to uh, the Gorby's Chariot, is that I'm going to make my knights re-roll failed hits. Because hitting on fours, I'm just not a fan. A re-rolling ones just isn't enough re-rolls for me. Um, and you can also put, like I mentioned earlier, the uh, Chaos uh, Lord on Karkadrak, or if you have a demonic mount, ability on them to make them get plus one to hit and then re-roll their charge. So you're not worrying about that. You really... You with knights, like I play with, play with a lot of knights, especially in cities, you really need to choose where you put your knights because um, if you if you go take the ensorcelled weapon equivalent, what you're trying to say there is that you are going to be there for the long time. You're probably going to grind out of combat. But for me, I've always gone with a lance equivalent because while you don't probably – it makes it a little bit harder to do damage in the long term – you're really getting a whole bunch of boosts on the charge. So if you can set up the charge and just keep charging, keep deleting, 
um, the the mortal wound output, you know, increasing the the damage and the rend characteristics. Um, just keep doing that, and you keep doing waves. Um, and as you get attrition in your cows nights or whatever nights you're running, you know, you you can sneak around screens a lot easier. So you can, you know, even just getting into a charge, you know, late game into a, a small hero um, will cause a world of pain. So um, choosing where you you charge, like don't run a block of chaos knights into a big block of 40, 40 models. That is a bad, bad time. Yeah, I think for me, you need the lances because you need the damage. I openly admit, if you're stuck in combat, your horses are practically doing the same attacks as your lances. But if you go in source of weapons, I really feel like you're better off spending the points on something that's killier because it, it just doesn't have to punch me. What I also would like to say is that if you go, Wolf, I'm charging in this massive wave into the enemy. I'm only attacking with one thing first, and I've already said I probably want to attack the knights first. What about everything else? Right, so if you wanted to put your Chaos War Shrines to make uh, two of your knights, if everything's in range, of course, reroll saves, you know, you've got that. Or you can um, put on your knights, reroll hit rolls and wind rolls, because your marauders at this point, if they're still there, that's cool. But really, they can all be dead now. Or you can just retreat them out to try and go back to an objective or something. I think this they ties in really nice. You mentioned a little bit earlier with the Marauder chat is that Marauders are your wave one. Your Chaos Knights are, are wave two. If you if you charge both the Marauders and the Knights in the same turn, you're going to lose the impact of one in in many cases. So I think uh, having them as waves, having them um, is, is, is probably really uh, is probably really good, um, yeah. especially with the enemy, guarantee and stuff. If the enemy can't fly over this wave one, they're going to struggle. Um, it's something that I found. I've run, I think I've played this four times, this list. And I'll be honest, I've been incredibly lucky because something we should mention is that uh, I might not get my teleport off. But in three of my four games, I have. Now, cast on a seven, and Bellacor is getting no pluses to cast. So you're really relying on the average on two dice for that. But what I would say is you want to, this is where a lot of measuring gets involved, is that you want to make sure that Bellacor is 30 inches away well just out just more than 30 inches away from any wizard that could deploy on your enemy side so they weren't unbinded because they probably got pluses to unbind everything else but you want him to be wholly within 12 inches of your marauders which you want to be very up close to the end of your deployment as possible in case you don't get the spell off basically what you do you move your marauders up and you do everything i've just said a turn later and that's that's how it played and um yeah and the funny thing is in the uh, fourth game i played i was like to uh, get practice to be fair for reviewing this list i was like i need to fail bellicor's spell so even if i cast it i'm gonna pretend i didn't and that's the one time i failed it and my opponent was very infuriated and it, it was a city's player as well um Love it. Love it. Yeah. And, and, and another good comment again david uh shout out to you mate uh talking about you know um when you the ensorcelled sorry inscrolled weapons not ensorcelled it is inscrolled weapons are better. It also uh, makes more sense. I don't know. Sound, uh, there is some ensorcelled weapons. I don't know where they are, but I know there is some. There's a scroll weapons. wrapped around the I don't know the mace. Yeah. You know, we, we talked about season for taste. We talk about you know customizing and tailoring your army, and you know the different marks and how they impact. You know, David's talking about the fact that um, when you're Nurgle or Slanish keyword, you know yes. you get it. Uh, you get uh, sixes cause additional damage mm -hmm. nurgle uh you know so when you, you keyword them nurgle or slanesh then the lances may not be the right decision actually it's it's the it's the um in in scrolled weapons uh that could be the better option so again this is like 
thinking about your list, thinking about what will optimize your current build. Of course. And, and then what does the, if I only owned those in, in scroll weapons, then maybe I want to go Slanesh or Nurgle Mark to get the most out of them. If you don't care then, or you just want to run them, just do do what you want to do. Yeah, do, do what you want to do. Of course, like I'd say one of the biggest things you do before you even build your list is pick what mark you want before you go into putting things in. I think that's a really good point he's made. Um, after I've had a lot of fun with corn, I do want to play Sinesh as that's when I can go to an event again. That's how my army's painted. That's how I want to run it. But um, what I also want to say is I know we're talking a lot about corn here, but just because from what I've heard anyway, I don't know if it's just what I've seen on the internet, but so many people only talk about Nurgle. I thought it was nice to feature why I think corn could be quite strong as well. So I just yeah. wanted to, it's not all about the sixes to wound to get double damage or to get another plus one to damage but dave does make a good point and that's something that i didn't pick up on so no 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 like it's just it just shows you the variety and the versatility of this book yeah. i played a lot of noble knights i played a lot of corn knights i think i've even played a couple of zench knights so again mm. uh season for taste and who knows corn may get a nice little boost he is overdue for some love in broken realms yes um You've got three units of those, which are pretty cool. I think we kind of know what they do now. But Chaos Spawns are something that um, I haven't really experienced for a long time. It's been a while since I saw a Chaos Spawn. And when I look at 50 points versus a Command Point, um, I probably would have always gone the Command Point first. Yes. But now that I've re-experienced a Chaos Spawn for 50, 50 points, um, man, man, they're good. They, they are. are so good. Uh, I played a Gabe Spawn list from uh, Beasts of Chaos where all the heroes then turned into Chaos Spawns on like a 2+. Plus. And boy, oh boy, I thought that was like a eh rule. I was very surprised. I was I was uh, reintroduced. So the Chaos Spawn, you know, the, the fact that it's got, you know, a random movement, it's 2d6, it's got five wounds, a 5+. Plus. Eh, eh. Initially, it's not, you just look at it and go, oh, okay, radio. But why do you bring it? I'll be honest. So my opinion on Chaos Spawns, the first time I've ever used them, I used to have a Music Vortex Beast back in first edition for Space Darkness when I ran them as Leech. And I love the fact of turning my, I think I went against a uh, a free people's player now, so like before Cities. And um, I love turning his uh, free guild guard into uh, Chaos Spawn. It was great. It was the best part of the game. But looking into why I take them now, the reason why I really like them recently is because when I look at the War Scroll, I think it's absolutely terrible until you use it and until you go so slays of darkness how i tend to build a lot of my list it's very the whole army is very combat heavy and everyone just goes forward and then i'm like actually what is at the back defending my rear apart from some iron golems and then i'm also like i've only got 60 points or 50 points left i can't have a war cry band what can i have it's like i care for five it's a unit that can go on an objective and it's also making a nine inch bubble of enemy deep striking not being allowed. They're absolutely great. The fact that it can have a mark is, you know, is fantastic. And also it comes into the lore of, you know, like this may have been a Chaos Lord on Karkadrak and then um, some bad things happened to him. And then maybe the gods just got bored of him. Who knows? He turned into a Chaos one. They all have a story. And it's also... What I found in, even when I'm playing games and my rewards have charged into the enemy and they're dealing with that, they still find it funny to see, even if the Chaos Spawn runs, it can still sometimes only move three inches. Right? And because it just needs to sit at the back of the board, you really need it because um, I know we're going to go into what this list doesn't do well at later, but if you're going to get a lot of enemy deep striking, you don't have a choice. You need this. And I know you say, like, I'll 
easily have a command point more. When I'm building most of those darkness lists, that's one of the first buttons I press. So I'm like, I've already done that. So I'm not going to get to the end and go, ooh, 50 points. Oh, need to play a command point. I've already done it, so it's fine. Um, yeah, he's, he's great for just um, sound at the back of the board. As a sweet player, I know the pains of random movement uh, and yep. setting up a hero uh, with 3D6 move to get a four on 3D6. What I will say as well is that when I look at the cow's, war, uh, the cow's spawn, um, and yeah, the, you know, it's 2D6 attacks, fours and fours, unless you roll uh, a double. Um, yep. Like it's okay war scroll, but for 50 points, it reminds me a lot, and any OG Age of Sigmar player will remember this, is that you used to be able to buy Griff Hounds as individual models uh, as opposed to being forced to buy, is it units of six? So I would normally take three Griff Hounds at the front and I'd pin them, you know, one in the centre and one on each flank. And that would that would basically create this amazing bubble of nine inches where my opponent couldn't actually deep strike. So defensively, I found them really good. Um, and as you mentioned as well, as objective um retainers as something that might sit and you know zone deny certain uh you know deep striking whether it's eels whether it's teleporting and summoning um there's a lot of versatility in a cow spawn i think just the reliance of the movement again as a as a squeak player um i know that 2d6 statistically is a seven there's lots of times you roll 11 and a 12 there's a lot of times you roll a two and a three it happens so i think being defensive rather than offensive yeah. is a good way to look at spawn you don't need to rely on it nine out of ten times on deploying it and where it's never going to move maybe it's maybe it's on an objective maybe there's no objective to my backboard but how i'm pushing everything forward or the screens forward i want to have him maybe in a back corner so he's making the most of that nine inch uh nine inch range there and um like i say 50 points if he's in range of a hero he just gets better in combat because the enemy's never going to really, unless it's a tactical purpose, hit him first. So you probably will be able to swing with this guy. Um, maybe. But yeah. I think, I, think it's, I think it's a better choice than taking a endless spell, for example. So yeah, exactly. Um, especially in this army, um, you've got some great spell choices, everything else, but you've got no, unless you really build into it, no real way to guarantee getting your spells off. So Cool. And yep. then the last unit you've got for me is the uh, the Chaos War Shrine. So you've you you like them so much that you've taken two. And I, I I can admit I've only I've never played an army with two War Shrines. It's usually just one. So talk me through I guess the rationale. And then I've got a question from Doug that I'll bring up that um I'm very curious about as well. So talk me through uh, again what what a what a single War Shrine is doing for you to what a double War Shrine is doing to you and uh, again like corn and all that good stuff right so if anyone's not aware what prayers are and i know we already talked about them a lot essentially they're like casting spells but you only roll one dice and the requirement is less and the enemy unless there's one percent of a circumstance out there can't deny you so that's why i like them like i mentioned before this uh, sub allegiance is getting plus one to prayers so i really feel like you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not taking two i personally only own one so if i want to try this out i'm going to have to proxy a little bit but from what i've used on tts it's worked fantastically well because straight away two war shrines so for 170 points each that's two more leaders it's also going to be um behemoths for the battle plans that help towards capturing objectives for that. Um, but the main thing behind them, of course, like I've mentioned, is their prayers, because some of their prayers are great. Some of them are a bit repeated. There's a lot of reroll charge ones there. I think um, the Sinesh one and the Corn one are both a little bit like that. But so when corn, you- Corn, uh, so the favorite, is it the favor of Corn? Yeah, about? if you got up now, have you? 
Yeah, it's favor of corn. So uh, you can reroll charge rolls uh, until your next hero phase. In addition, if the unit has a corn keyword, yep. you can reroll hit rolls uh, made by melee weapons. Uh, Zench, you can reroll save rolls. And then if you've got the keyword, uh, you can ignore spells and endless spells on a four plus. Nurgle, you can reroll wound rolls. And if they've got Nurgle keyword plus one to the safe, that's that's where I probably got the most experience having. Yeah, you, I mean, I might have been an Archaeon running around with that. That's, that's Nurgle Knights with a Nurgle War Shrine, just absolutely just charging up and just staying in there and just, you know, just just keeping me with the big block of knights. Uh, Slanish, you can reroll charge, uh, reroll the charge as well as don't take battle shock. And then favor of Cow, so I guess is your undivided. Which you would have heard of. Yeah, is the the reroll hit and wound rolls, and then if it has the keyword, uh, you can reroll charge rolls. So um, I guess how you want to play your army will will dictate which favors. And again, this kind of goes back to the keywords you were talking about earlier. Um, I mean, so you can start to see the synergies of the favors yeah. as well as why you've marked corn as opposed to Nurgle and Slanesh or whatever it might be. So with this. Um... This with the war shrines. The thing to note about them, if you compare them to the um, the chariot priest, these chaos war shrines can do any of those prayers despite being corn. They just won't get the additional benefit, or the unit they pick won't get the additional benefit. So, for example, the only double benefit I'm getting here is if I uh, do the corn prayer, or uh, if I use the undivided one on Benacor for some reason. It may be useful. And actually, there's actually um. Because obviously, you know, list building, we're all, we're all new and all that sort of thing when we come to it and thinking about it. I would maybe give the Marauders potentially the undivided mark because I'm teleporting them in anyway. They're not going to be wholly within 12 inches of a hero mark with corn, probably anyway. So now it just means if I roll a double one, I then get to tell my opponent I'm now re-rolling this. And that's because, because the, favor the undivided, yeah. The favors of the Ruinous Powers happens at the start of the hero phase. So you would apply the the favor first and then you would go for the teleporting shenanigans. So yeah, like and it, and it makes sense because if I mean um if you teleport them first, you're gonna be out of range for your um for your shrines. But also like as you mentioned, it's not like uh, spells where you can do them like willy nilly throughout your hero phase. With this you have to don't don't make the mistake of going, uh better course just gonna cast Mystic Shield himself for some reason and then I'm gonna do my prayers. You know, depending on your opponent, but like, just you want to you want to play it right at the end of the day, don't you? Um, so maybe maybe that's what you could do. Um, the reason I like it, and again, you could go, well, you've gone with corn, and your other priest can do the um, reroll hit rolls, right? Yeah, but to be honest, with these war shrines, I'm just doing the undivided one to get the reroll hits and wins, or I'm probably just doing these each one to get the reroll saves. Again, like you said, in Nurgle, it's very popular for that plus one save. Um, but I think there are uses for it here. And the fact that I really can't say enough that you're only failing on a one is huge. Like, I, f I think, I think the, there's been very few times I've failed this in, and I've had running eye latest, I've had about five or six games. So there's, there's probably a really good argument that Favor of Zench ha probably has a really good place right now in the meta, mm. knowing that you know, you've got Lord Croak who's doing really powerful stuff that you know, you're probably not going to get your, your Bellicor spell off. Um, you're walking up the board. You've got Lord Croak just hiding behind this amazing bubble of just burninating things with salamanders um, but, and, and obviously doing mortal wounds and stuff with spells. But when I look at the Favors of Zench, being able to ignore spells and endless spells on a four plus 
Um, and knowing that, let's say, for example, even Techless, you know, Techless is going straight up, no Bellacore, you can't teleport, uh, unless obviously you get your 5 plus um, Dark Prophecy stuff, or no, uh, the, the, the Dark stuff, the on a one yeah. day, on a five plus you can do thing. Um, you you could literally like that would actually apply really well to ignore the effects of spells and endless spells. So um, I think again season yeah. for taste, but these arguments and it depends on your meta, depends on where you're playing, depends on who your opponents are. Uh, if you are in a meta that is high magic right now, there's lots of Hallow Heart, you know, Zench, uh, a lot of that stuff. Um, who knows what Sladesh is going to bring to the table? But maybe that is a good mark. Um, yeah, what, what I would say, though, is um, you'll find in Slaves of Darkness, um, something I mentioned, like when you read the Walsh Garden, you think they're right, but they could be better. There's so many ways to buff them. In fact, there's so many ways to buff them that some of them repeat themselves. So, for example, if I'm going the markers each anyway, I'm wholly within 12 inches of my general, I get a five-up save against endless spells and spells. So, again, if you put the prayer on them, it means you're not reliant on being in range of your uh, general. But it's just something that might... It's funny how they've given Zeech, although it's on a four up, so it's better the prayer. It they could have um, I don't know, pick a Zeech unit and they get plus two to cast. I don't know if that would work, but just something that makes it not a repeat, as as an example. Um, but then again, it's like I said, my corn. I'm not making use of these guys or my corn prayers because my other uh gold beast is doing it. They're very useful. Also, just to say about them, they're given the or uh, of the, uh, is it the protection of the dark gods, I believe it's called. So you get in there, 18 inch. And again, most things in this book are wholly within range. So wholly within 18 inches. I get in the um, six up um, death save, ward save, whatever you want to call it, down with Fenchon. And that, that's huge, especially when you've got two of them. Now, in case you're a bit new, it doesn't mean that you combine the aura signs of both of them. It just means that you have two. I mean, I'm not running them, like if I was compared to my hands, I'm not running them straight like this. But when you put them a good... I don't know, uh, even 18 inches apart, you're covering a huge amount of the board. Um, and you, one of the things, just quick to say, of the Warcry stuff is that some people go, well, they can't take a mark. Yes, but they are still slow starters, so they will. The slow start is mortal, so they will benefit from that. And um, the great thing, just to say about the War Shrines, when you're comparing them to a, a good example, I'm sure people may bring up, a Chaos Social Lord of Foot, right? He's got demonic power spell. We're all familiar with it because it, we probably were aware of it in first edition where you could use it on like anything that chaos. Basically, you pick one of your units, holy of in, I think it's 12. It may be 18 and get mixed up with his save ability. Okay. With so it's 12, and if it's 18, it's a bonus. But let's... Yeah, exactly. Let's say 12. Um, and actually, no, to be fair, I think it is 12 because I don't think that's why I'm bringing up this point. You make a unit be able to reroll hit rolls and wound rolls. But with the Chaos War Shrine, and I think this is why I'm bringing it up, so I think it is 12 inches, you have an eight and inch range. So it's huge. And your base is bigger. Yeah. And war shrines, 170 points. It's not a lot at all. Not, I mean, right. I mean, you, are, you are spending almost 350 for this combination. But I think what you, you mentioned is you're building redundancy. And sometimes when I see one chaos war shrine on the table, I know that I want to delete that as quick as possible, or at least, at least reduce it to a, a protection of the gods down to at least a nine or a six because i know that the the chaos knights for example are going to run outside of the buff if i slow down the war shrine dark the protection yeah. so if i can put some chip damage and look it's a four plus armor save it's you know all it's going to take is five wounds and that could be uh, a little bit of spell casting or a little bit of shooting um then that changes the game and, and I, I find chaos knight players 
play a lot cagier when when that bubble is down. But by having two of those war shrines, mm -hmm. it does mean that you've got uh, redundant the other one as well. You know, one might have the eighteen, mine might be reduced down to twelve or nine or six, um, and you can kind of rotate the powers. So, um, so it's something to consider. But I, I like it. I like the the fact. Um, I do want to just ask a quick question before we move into the next list. Yeah, yeah sure. Myself, uh, Doug. Uh, thanks for thanks for dropping in. Uh, Mention. Do you see the value of mixing keywords like? Um, having the first wave maybe as Slanesh, then having the second wave maybe as Corn. Do you see? Because uh, obviously you've gone um, straight up Corn for most of this army. Do you see a mix of having you know those three bubbles that I talked about, the three the three centers of power? You know, one is Nurgle, one is Slanesh, one is Corn. Or do you think it's just better having things tied to the general? I think for how I play anyway. It's better to have things tied to general. But something I did mention probably about, it may have been, I don't know when he asked the question, but may have already covered this. But when I said, actually, I might make them orders now, undivided. So now they're re-rolling that charge in case they fail. So there is there is purpose to this because the Marauders, for example, they are the first wave. They're not benefiting from a hero buff in this list because there's no way I'm going to get a hero up close enough to them to wholly be of interest, especially how I'm stretching them out um, to benefit. So yeah, there are. And before I would, well, before we discuss this list, I would have said, no, just, just make them corn. Cool. I think everything else is corn. Cool it makes sense. But you know, when you talk about things in detail, there is a, so, you know, if you spend more time doing it, you know, and there's nothing wrong with putting apart a list and going, what can I change here? What can I change here? For me, um, one of the reasons I mark, I think, um, just one mark, depending on whatever God I go for, is um, it's just easier to keep on top of. If you, don't get me wrong, if I've been playing this army for about three years, and let's say they haven't got a new book or whatever, and it still works the same, I probably will be playing the army differently because I think really when you want to mix up the marks for more than just like I painted these guys up as Nurgle, I painted these guys up as Corn, and everything else, it takes experience. Like I reckon, like if you want to run those multi uh, mark like units. You could probably do it well, but you need to um, be very on your ball because um, you it won't be a very forgiving list because, like, I don't know, you make uh, Chaos Knights Nurgle so they get the plus one damage, so they get the six, and then you give them a demonic mount, blah, 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 Nurgle, and then the enemy just shoots off the uh, Chaos on demonic mount, and you go, well, now they their mark can't benefit from any other hero on the table. Especially if, if, yeah, well, if so, rules are an issue, I'd highly recommend something like AOS reminders that could obviously give you your rules mm -hmm. and help you with those things. But you raise a really good point as well that um, if you have these centers of power, and let's say you've got five Chaos Knights, and let's say a Lord on Kakadrak, and let's say that little combination is Nurgle, uh, but your general is corn, and you know, majority of your army is corn by taking out that one buff piece um, and, and removing that, that little Nurgle synergy straight up you lose a little bit of the efficiency so i think i can see where there's value in redundancy and having everything marked but at the same time there's also other ways you can build these centers of power so i think it's just keeping in mind um how comfortable you are what's going to work for you the most um but i definitely see value in i think there is value and i've played against armies that have had multi multi marks or different marks within the army but it makes you work a little bit harder but it also does give you more rewards oh absolutely and i think there is you can definitely make it work um especially if you're new to the army though stick to one mark and um what i would also like to say about the marks it's it's something that i thought of when i first wanted to do this army like i said i themed my army around sanesh don't for any reason 
think that you've got your guys painted as corn. Can I run them as Nurgle? Just look at these marks as different like mini sub allegiances to to your games. Just look at them as new rules. There's no reason why because there was the thing of like, oh, should I paint these guys up as Nurgle because I want to give them the no do however you want. I just wanted to make that um, that point clear. But yeah, uh, so to Doug, you, you can do that. Um, off the ball, though, it's easier just to do it all one mark. And um, I think it takes a bit of playtesting as well to uh, to see what, what you've got to ask yourself and what are you really, like I said, you can get rewarded heavily for it, but what are you really going for? What rewards you want? Yeah, no, that's great. No, that's great. And um, as someone in the chat uh, had also mentioned as well, that um, if you wanted to go multi-mark, maybe Ravengers might be better for you than the Idolators. So being able to switch your yeah. switch your general each turn. So if that's kind of the route you want to go with, maybe Idolators isn't the best for you. But at the same time, um, you can absolutely do it. Um, Mikey, any final thoughts? I think this is a nice little combination of uh, of units. Uh, you've definitely shown one play style, and we've gone very in depth with this, which is really cool. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of synergies in the second one. Yeah. So we might we might skip over some things, but at the same time, I'm sure there's some cool list tech in here. So uh, when we talk about list number two, and I'll just time mark this, uh, you've got yes. the second list, which is an idolator list. You have come from a different realm. So uh, I'm imagining right now, because you don't have any, uh, any artifacts, uh, the mortal realm that your army is coming from is just for the artifact. It's That's really... Well, it's, to be honest with you, Anthony, it's because I'm Asian Agash and I want to be from Shawish. Well, first one wasn't. I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's literally just for whatever I want. I wanted to give some variety the reroll charge, and then essentially it is exactly for the artifact. Um, so you're going to see, like cool. I said, there's a few things that are in this list that are in the other one, but I try to make it a little bit different as well. So, but for example, we won't talk about Better Call for our 10 minutes because we already discussed what you can So, so. Um, the podcast I'll, I'll read out the uh the army list so you can't yep. see the visuals so you do have the idolator lord on chaos chariot uh is this the same loadout mikey you've got the general with the uh, fiery auditor uh, yeah exactly orator, bellacor has got the marks of darkness so both of those are consistent to the first list i should just say the master darkness is the teleport that's what allows that's them the, to teleport. The teleport. So when, when mikey was talking about the teleport before it's not coming from the war scroll it is coming from the mask of darkness yeah. spell so uh, i think you said cast on the seven we do have something different we do have the slaves the darkness demon prince that is coming in with an axe with the grave sand brooch uh that's the shayish artifact is it reroll ones reroll ones to save yeah uh, also marked as corn. You've also got a Chaos Lord. So we've got no Kakadrak this time, but we do have a Chaos Lord with the Reaper Blade and the, the Demon Bound Steel, also marked with corn. Now we know that Idolators is going to give us benefits to make our Warcry Warbands or our Cultist Battle Line. So you've gone in and you've double tapped here and you've gone nine to Untamed Beasts, eight Iron Golems, eight Iron Golems. You've also got your five Chaos Knights with corn, similar loadout. Uh, 10 Chaos Chosen. Um, good to see some Chosen back. Yep. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen Chosen being thrown around the board from Sail the Faithless. You've got five Chaos uh, Chosen again, marked Corn. You've got five Chaos Warhounds that are allies. Ooh. Yeah, you've yeah, also so, got a yeah. War Shrine. Uh, you've also taken a Command Point and you've taken the Realm Scourge Rupture Endless Spell. Yes. So 
with this list, like I said, I wanted to make it a bit different. Um, I wanted to also try out stuff like you mentioned, you haven't seen Chosen for a while. I wanted to see what I could do with them. So this list, um, and like I said, I wanted to take the Chaos Chariot. It's been a long time since I've seen Sail the Faceless with a box of, of char Chosen. They get thrown up into my line. Um, it's been a long time, so it's nice to see them back. Yes, and they, they will not be doing that this time around. Uh, I can assure you, they'll be they'll be moving fairly slowly towards you, but when they'll get you, it'll hurt. Um, okay, so the reason why we've gone the Eyelater's Lord on Chaos Chariot this time, of course, he's not the Gorby, so he's not with combat effective. Essentially, he's 30 points cheaper, and he's given me the same aura size. So that 12-inch range from the Chariot is quite big. Um, the reason we've gone Fiery Orator again is just so he can double uh, do the prayer to do rerolls the hits. Um, and yeah, Michael Korn, and then yeah. So that, that's pretty much what his job is essentially what the Gorby's chariot was doing, but not combat orientated. He can, he's still got the great blade, so he can swing um, if he needs to. So we've got that. We've got Bellacore again. Um, this time, though, he's not doing the whole teleporting shenanigan with Marauders. Of course, if you want to risk teleporting 10 Chosen into the front of your enemy and then hope to get a nine inch charge, you're more than welcome. But personally, I decided not to. So the reason why he's in is because he's a two-cast wizard at the end of the day, and I want him to do the Endless Spell, which, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll get to now. So what the Endless Spell can do, essentially, you set up um, holding in nine inches of him. So again, it's one of those funny ones where you want him to be as close to the end of your deployment, but far enough away so the enemy can't unbind him. Because, like I say, in my experience, I tend to play against people who've got silly plus to the cast. So you want to have at least that one turn to cast a center spell, essentially what you do is a predatory one. So you set it up, holding it nine inches, and then it can move nine inches. And any enemy units it comes across, um, it moves into essentially and over, or any enemy units it finishes within one inch off, take D3 mortal wounds. And then they also have their, I think it's their movement half. Movement characteristic. Yeah, movement characteristic. Uh, until the end of the battle round, half Which the movement characteristic of each unit that the model has passed across. Uh, and each and each other unit that's within one inches at the end of the movement. Yes. And so the D from all is lovely, but really, if you can time it well, the half in the movement is the best thing. Because it's similar uh, to Geminids. Geminids, you know, the D3 mm. mortal wounds are nice, but it's the minus one to hit and the minus one attack that you're really taking Geminids for. Um, and this, this is the same, like moving a, changing a movement characteristic and potentially pinning someone in their deployment and not going for objectives that's brutal it's for example it's um just to quickly talk about it like the um the spell laws from the legions of the gash book when some when it came out some people were like oh they don't really seem very offensive i love them because i know you played it as well debuffing you're gonna be like special grass was great especially if you cast it um fading, fading vigor. yeah fading vigor as well oh god but anyway back with stay darkness the other reason i love this endless spell is because it won't be used against you because it can only move forward. It can't go turn around, it can't move side to side, it can just move in direction it is set up, which makes it the best endless spell I have personally used. Like the reason, and I say that because I tend to not use predatory ender spells because when I have, they always get turned around and hit me and I wish I didn't spend points to them. In this case, the enemy can unbind it, sure. It's a waste of an unbound and better call if he's still far enough away because there's need to be close to marauders. Check it again. And they're also, it's that base as well. You're moving up towards the enemy. And ideally, I'm setting up better core in the middle. So it's just going to take a big um, 
wide range of that. And then when we go into the Slaves Darkness Demon Prince, just to say, you can use his command trait, because he's corn, that makes enemy units within eight inches of him have to half their run and charge rolls, because he makes the ground all slippy with blood. So when, if you, I don't want to rely too much on that Realmscape, uh, Realmscape Rupture, whatever it's called, because the enemy can unbind it and stuff. But it's something they're going to have to waste a spell on. Some armies can only cast one or two spells. So if you can double tap that with the Slaves of Darkness one there as well, your slow-moving army suddenly doesn't seem that slow anymore. So that's what I like there. And then talking about the Slaves of Darkness, Demon Prince, why has he got an axe? He's corn. I think enough said with that one. But the other reason I like, and to be actually that ties into why he's corn, is because um, it's a freeze to hit, freeze to wound, I believe. But threes and threes, demonic axe. Yep, with a demonic axe. Yep. So, but he's rerolling ones to hit. If he made a charge move, he's plus one to hit as well. So two up rerolling ones. Um, and then it's just it's just nice because it's two damage that, and the sword is D three, right? uh the sword the hellfold sword is d3 so yeah uh, and like we mentioned with the great blade earlier when we talked about the battalion i just like the reliability of the uh, of the two and also he's got talents as well which are cool they can do some damage um but he's also got the uh gray sand brooch because basically he's got a free up save he's rerolling ones now and he always strikes first in the combat phase unless the enemy has a similar ability to blah 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 blah, blah. so the enemy even if they try and shoot him off the board they're going to have to throw more at him than he's frankly worth. And, 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 and by the way, if you want to know why he's fighting first, it's because of Immortal Champion, so that's yep. on the War Scroll. So um, that's really powerful. And something to consider as well is um, the tournament that I just come from um, literally two weeks ago, majority of the deployment zones that I got to, to fight in there was only 18 inches between us. There were those longer 15-inch deployments, which mean there was a 9-inch gap between the the, um, the the middle line. So there was only 18 inches. So if I think about a 12-inch move, um, that's not that's not hard to, to get into combat in first turn. It's a good little base size, three up, re-rolling ones, always fighting first. Um, that's brutal. Like you could almost run two of these and just have these two on the flanks, right. just absolutely harassing your opponent while you got your knights run up at center of the board. Like there's just the demon princes. I know when this book very first come out and everyone found a busted way to bring the Nurgle demon prince. Yeah, which um, I mean, I'll be honest. Whoever, I mean, we I played it uh, against my mate Jamie mentioned earlier, and um, we were like, we're we're test out the really powerful version of it. And as soon as I, I went, like, Nagash killed himself with his attacks, as an example. Um, and it was just like, there's no way this was meant to how it was to be. So I know some people were shocked when it got changed, but it's like, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not. So with that change, the corn command ability is the best one from that war scroll, in my honest opinion. Um, and this guy with his command B, just to say, has to be in the hero phase. Don't think because it's to do with movement, he's going to do it in the movement phase or in the enemy's movement phase. So it's one of those things where it's not too risky because you can see where this guy's going to go, but you have to plan ahead with it. Um, and then this guy, Demon Prince, is 210 points. And the corn, the corn ability allows you to, in the hero phase, uh, uh, it's a command ability, so you've got to spend a CP, but it is going to allow you to run, run and charge um, until the next hero phase. Oh, within 18 inches of them. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so uh, if you do so until the next hero phase, uh, run and charge rolls made for the enemy units within 18 and a half. That's interesting. Okay. So okay. It, even if you failed your opponent, yeah, okay, that's interesting. 
So also it's not holier than 18 inches. So it's a huge bubble. No, just really um, so, so that's really good. Bear in mind, he can fly as well. So he's easy to move around everywhere. Um, yeah, he a demon prince for me, for example, there's there's another sub legions that really specializes in them. And I'm tempted to take, I'm tempted to build and convert five of them and Bellacore because I think they're really nice. Um, but yeah, so he's great. And it's also just nice to have one thing that always fights first because like I said, it's strong. And with how survivable this guy is, um, it, it's really solid. So you've got that. Um, you also have the Chaos Lords. Why is he in there? Because he's in quite a lot of Slaves Darkness lists purely because of his command ability. That at the start of the combat phase, you pick a Slaves of Darkness, uh, might be Mortals unit, hold within 12 inches of him, and they can piling attack twice that combat phase. Now, that's not piling attacking twice. You know, this isn't feeding frenzy, but it's still pretty strong. Um, and that's why he's in there for 110 points. He's also doing stop it seven wounds, um, four up save. And if he accidentally is tagged in combat, he can do a little bit of hurt, which is why I like him. And he's also another 12 inch uh reroll ones to uh, and it is, they, it is mortal slaves the darkness keyworded, so it's that's uh, so much yeah. of the stuff is mortal. Um, so for example, actually, I remember because something that came up, um, you couldn't make the demon prince, for example, attack twice, that's not gonna yeah. happen, but. As we'll get to, we've got chosen. They're getting that. Um, yeah. So, um, so we've got that. Okay. And then we've got the uh, nine, the nine, nine untamed beasts. So we yeah. know that uh, one of the big reasons these guys come into lists is because they have uh, a free move at the start of the battle before the, I guess the the round commences. Yeah, that's 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 why they're in the list, one hundred percent. And it's a and unit. No other reason. Was well, a unit for seventy points, right? So you can, um, the good thing about this list is it, okay, something I should mention as well, no baton, this list has got a lot of drops, okay? You know, bear that in mind. But it means you've got so many units for taking objectives and so many units to move around. But what I like about the uh, Untamed Beast is, so like I said, you've got your main block in the middle where you've got your Chosen. You're also going to have your two Chaos War Shrines on the edges of it. You're going to have your Chariot there. You're going to have your Chaos Lord in that block. So a huge focus in the middle. Your untamed beasts are either going to make that pre-game move and just set up a front screen. Hopefully, you want to be careful of this because you want to also set up that endless spell. So you don't want to move your untamed beasts up and go, oh, crap, no, my endless spell is going to dig into them and kill them. So just be careful your movement, but you just want to set up a screen, really. So hopefully, you will have an a endless spell screen, untamed beasts, and then if the enemy doesn't have much deep striking, you can afford to the 10 Chaos Warhounds, which we'll get to later, to be another screen for your Chosen. So you, this very vulnerable unit, which is very killy, but can die if it gets hit hard, is now pretty solid. Um, so that's what the Untamed Beast is for. Again, if the enemy's got a lot of deep striking, it's just an other unit you can use to screen. Because I know it doesn't sound like many uh, big base sizes, but they're not all 25 millimeters. And the um, lion has a, I think, like a 40 millimeter base or something. So it stretches out quite far. One other thing I really like about the Untamed Beast that we haven't talked about yet is it has the ability to run and charge. So yes. if you need to, like that could, that could, you get the free, the free six inch move. Um, you could, you know, you could, I could see a world where you take two of these units, you know, one on either flank potentially. Um, one, you, you you run up the board and tag an opponent from either side. Um, 
or you could be even just using the using them the same way I use my Aether Wings in cities, which is just a very cheap body to run up and score objectives early on. And if an opponent kills them, who cares? They're Aether Wings. Um, but if they don't kill them, then it's going to be their harassing, annoying. Um, yep. So I can kind of split the damage on onto those guys and away from my juicy Chaos Knights. Um, or they're just sitting there scoring objectives while people ignore the Untamed Beast. So... Um, I do like one. Um, I could see a world where two might be valuable as well. Yes. And the free six-inch move, you know, now that there's going to there's more deep striking, more teleporting than there has been in, in the last couple of years, um, pushing your opponent an additional six inches away from your juicy center, um, you know, stopping uh, potentially, you know, a, a turn one charging. Yeah, if you've got like crusher, a heavy alpha strike, it's going to help. Like just pushing them back further, a deep striking from the sky like Stormcast, um, that's valuable. Yes. And because, same line Golems, fortunately you can't give them the mark of the Chaos uh, Auras. But in a nice way, it gives you a little bit of freedom because you're not worried about them being holy within 12. And they can basically do their own thing. Um, something else I tried out with them is to just use them as a cheap screen for the Chaos Knights because they can surprisingly move very fast, like you mentioned. Um, so they can be useful for that. And um, I'll be honest, when I was first building these lists, you, I mean, I haven't sent it to you, but the first list basically only includes Warcry units. And it was to try and do what I did with Marauders, but of Untamed Beast. And I'll just say they just don't have the same output, unfortunately. But you could, if you wanted to, like easily, without a teleport, charge a block of 40 on to, of, uh, 36, roughly something like that. Untamed Beast into the enemy turn one, just to try and, I don't know, annoy them uh, if you wanted to. So you've got them, right? Um, they do also have a shooting attack, which is just deserves a shout out for a Chaos unit that has a shooting attack. Um, okay, and then you've got the two units of eight Untamed Beasts. So... These guys, I know you've talked about them already, Anthony. They are just going to sit on hopefully one of your back objectives, maybe one in the middle, and just stay there. That's how, columns. Yeah, that's the one. Oh, oh, sorry, you can you, you can try and make them very survivable and charge into the enemy. But the way I do them is just sit on objective, just because they've got that four up reroll and save. I um I, I I mentioned the game I played not long ago against it was an ever chosen list so it was Archeon a couple of units of Varangard and it was a big block like I mentioned of Iron Golems and my opponent who I who I thought did a really good job he teleported the Iron Golems into the center of the board we're playing focal points mm -hmm. and he did it as a uh, a defensive mechanism knowing that Iron Golems are probably better when they receive the charge than when they are charged. Uh, when so when they when they charge, but having that big block, especially with um, a uh, the hero, I think the hero or the ogre has three wounds. Um, it is a super durable unit that iron golem. So uh, that might also be a, a nice little unit to, yep. to take Bellacor's teleport. It's something I thought about. So, like I said, when I wanted to do untamed beasts, I did think because they could charge the enemy straight away. But the other thing I did think about was just if you can just string out. Um, as many oh, was it it's four times eight, isn't it? So what's that? Thirty-two, um, ante, um, thirty-two iron golems stretched out in the middle of the field just to annoy the enemy. Because they like say um, that doesn't count as a normal move, and as long as they don't make a normal move, they're re-rolling their saves, which makes them arguably the most valuable warcry unit to date. And their shooting attack is not bad too as well. Like that, yeah. that did some cheap damage to my gargans, which kind of annoyed me. They did more damage than I expected. Yeah, if you're a, 
a save that's not particularly great. Like, well, I don't know, four, if you haven't got, you know, like a free up rerolling one or something, yeah, they're going to strike a lot of shots here, especially if you've got a big block of them, which is, and it's a nice way for the enemy to, if they just slowly move towards you and go on to kick them off an objective, if they don't make the charge, you're going to throw some rocks at them next turn. So it's quite, it's a it's a nice little uh, trick. Hey, with these Warcry units, anything else they can have is a benefit. Um, so yeah, that is the Iron Golems. Um, you then have the five Chaos Knights, which again, Lances, Corn, same as before, but they are essentially going to be not in the center, like most of your stuff. They are going to be with your Demon Prince as a flanking force. Because the mm. idea is if you have everything in the middle, as cool as that sounds, and it's like a big base, you just move forward. It's not, however you think it's going to go to plan, it's not going to work, unfortunately. Sorry. You need to have at least an other threat. Um, and even like just having a threat in the middle and the flanks, some people would say that's not enough. But you need to have something. And the Chaos Knights can, like we said, can do a lot of damage. But the Demon Prince, as an extra little thing, let's say, oh, God's sake, the Chaos Knights have been countercharged and now they're not very good in combat, shall we say. Your Demon Prince, who happens to be within three inches, goes, yeah, I'm just going to attack first. And then mm. with his help, you may have cleared the enemy unit that's attacked you. So then when it comes to your turn, you're off on your merry ponies again going towards the enemy. So it's a nice little combo because his command ability is so big, you can... If you've got the edge of the board here, you can have the uh, knights lined up, and then you can have him in the uh, just at the edge here. So his 18 aura is still big, and he's on the end, so the enemy's going to have to move to deal with him. And the, the Realm Scourge Rupture as well can also reduce the amount of charging or at least make yeah. it a lot harder to get in because you are reducing um, the movement or the, the run, was it? Um, um, it, it, reduces, it reduces the movement, but the Demon Prince is going to make it hard for the enemy to make that charge because they have to halve it. Which means um, they can't make a uh, what's it? They can't make a guaranteed three inch charge at that point, can they? Like, so basically, what you're doing is you're just increasing the likelihood of being able to charge, and with some good positional play, you could almost mitigate the ability for your opponent to to charge you because you're outside of that twelve inch charge threat because you've halved the movement. And you know, regardless if they you know they move half half movements so or six turns and three or what eight turns and four, they're they're still outside the twelve. So um, with some really good play, uh, you could just counter charges by just d straight up denying them. Hey, if the enemy want to line up their nice juicy unit, that's not really defensible, but very killy three inches away from my knights for my next turn. Brilliant. I'm happy with that. You've got two units of Chaos Chosen, and we've also got the Warhounds. Warhounds an interesting one. You mentioned the screens. They are allies as well. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's the deal with the chosen? Why chosen coming in and and you know because last last just had more chaos knights, right? You know why why not boost up those iron golems? Why not uh, increase the the chaos knights? What 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 do they bring to the table? These sh these chosen, chosen for me of what I've used in Slaves of Darkness have one of the most reliable damage outputs because each one of them is making free attacks, hitting on freeze. Wound and freeze, minus one rend, one damage. If they get any sixes to hit, that's a mortal wound in addition to normal damage. So, like I said, you've got so many screens protecting these Chaos Chosen, and effectively, you're kind of using you've deployed the unit of five ahead of the unit of 10. So, if anything, if they can get to your Chosen, they're killing the unit of five, and they're quite closely compacted. So, then your unit of 10 can go in. And let me tell you, when you have a unit of 10 piling and attacking twice in a turn, and then you've put the uh, prayers from the war shrine on them, so they're rerolling all failed hit rolls and all failed wound rolls, 
there's not a lot that is going to withstand that. And I know the enemy can try find ways around it. You know, if I'm putting so much investment on making um, uh, screens at the front, what about my rear end? What about someone teleports behind me and does the marauder fit? You know, but you can mitigate that by just keeping one of the units a little bit more back. Um, but because you've got this such tight bubble, which the enemy can't really do much about unless they've got heavy shooting, it's going to slowly get to the enemy that's really debuffed in their movement. And with that, it's going to only enhance your chances, like we said with the Knights, getting your charge off. And um, those are those shows I just thinking about. So if they make three attacks each and you've got 10 of them, what I would say is they've got one inch range on their weapons. So you might not get all of them in, but let's say live in the dream world where you do. Uh, that is, well, that'd be 60 attacks, 62 because the champion would attack twice and he gets another one. Hit on freeze, rerolling ones. Oh, sorry, hit on freeze, but you've put the war shrine on them. So hit on freeze, reroll on all fails. Wounded on twos because they're in range of your general. Reroll on all failed wound rolls. Minus one rend, one damage. Any sixes you got to hit is an additional more wounds. Like I had six of them in a, I had a game two days ago. Six of them cleared a terror geist, like on full wounds. Like it's pretty. Yeah. yeah, and the chat is just straight up just saying that, you know, we've they're, they're underrated, I think, uh, is a really that's good comment. I think that's their problem. Which yeah. is why which is why back in the day, Sail the Faithless, being able to teleport them up the board was always the trick. You know, you take a big block or a small block, usually about 20, you throw them up the board uh, because you would counteract the slowness. But the way you counteract the slowness here is by making your opponent slow. So instead of you speeding your army up, and you could add chronomatic cogs in your list if you want to speed them up. You could of use course. the teleport from Belacor, um, or you could slow down your opponent. And I think that's a nice way to uh, reintroduce them into the game because Chosen, despite being fine cast, um, they, yeah, are, they, are they are a good you just, unit, but they do have some challenges. Yeah, There's, but I'll, I'll say, like, for example, for my ones I want to do at some point is um, I'm using, because uh, mine's all Greek-themed and stuff, using Medusai bodies and stuff. But um, what I've seen loads of people do, and it's really quite a good and easy um, uh, way to do it, is uh, just get some Stormcast. If you can get them from the Conquest magazines. And, it's, and as long as you take through the effort of trimming off the bloody lightning bolt symbols, it looks great. So uh, you can... Um I'm a community blog by one of the, the guys in my community, Travis, Travis Cooper, who actually uh, converted a whole Slaves to Darkness army out of Stormcast Eternals. And look, they look sick. They look so yeah. good. Um, so it's awesome that you've, you've reconsidered using uh, a different model to actually be chosen because they would look different. They would look unique. But, yeah, definitely trim off the Stormcast, make them, you know, maybe head swap, do some things. Yeah, my my mate, he um, he got a set of Chosen from Warhammer World and then he converted up from Stormcast and the Stormcast are just so much bigger than them and they just look so they look so much better because otherwise the Chosen, especially compared to the new Chaos Warriors, just like yeah. you, it's like you're looking at the book and go, right, so the Marauders are really powerful, but they're the weakest. And then the Chosen are meant to be really cool, but then their models are a bit, oh, make, make your own. Um, yeah, so basically I fixed that by uh, making the enemy slower and essentially shielding your Chosen with everything else in your army. <laughs> but when you get to deliver that payload, it really hurts. Like I said, the Terror Guy situation is because the enemy managed to charge me with a Terror Guy and I made sure it paid with its life. Um, and that was a terror guys with six attacks, obviously attacking twice, everything else. Um, so you've got that nice counter. And um, I think it's just nice to get some chosen back in the uh, spotlight again. I think it's, it's nice to talk about them. And they're just so reliable with freeze and freeze and you can buff it. So, yeah, it's great. And the, and the Cows Warhounds are, um, are a yep. cheap screen 
they've got some good movement with 10 really like the ability to be able to if you want to run with them it's just a flat six as opposed to um making a run roll but yes. it says you add six to the movement characteristic um which i thought was interesting so it doesn't so if you declare that that the unit runs do not make a run roll instead add six to the movement characteristic of of the so the I phase. would read, I haven't read an FAQ, but I'd read that so you could charge if you wanted to, but I'm not too sure. Because yeah, they're like, going to run me higher. It doesn't say that you run, you just, but I don't know. But but either yeah. way, like, even it's, it's, you know, I, Beast of Chaos FAQ out there somewhere. At worst, getting a flat six on your run is awesome. If it does allow you still to charge, not that Cal's Warhounds are going to do amazing stuff in combat, but it could just slow down your opponent just that little bit longer so that your chosen moves up the board. Right. So with this list in particular, because the chosen is slow and I was looking at screens, I was thinking, what slaves does have? And to be honest, you, same base size. You could go Chaos Marauder Horseman, but Chaos Warhounds, in all honesty, when I did my long review for Beast of Chaos, I talked about them so much because I love my doggies. In Legion of the Gash, I run so many Diables because I think they are arguably the best unit in the entire game for what they are. They're fantastic. I've got 25 Diables sitting behind Yeah. Me. It's the same. It's they're so good, and they count as battle lines. They're great. But anyway, enough talking about death. Back to this. Sorry, it's just a habit. Um, so the Chaos Warhounds, they're better than Direwolves as a screen because you're getting they're only one wound model, but you're getting double the models. And for eighty points, I really can't. I mean, I haven't measured it out, but I can't stress how big of a range that is. I played around with a list of this where um, I had two units of um chaos warhounds and if the enemy's got loads of deep strike and they want to do behind me i can literally just stretch them out behind me and they can't go in my backfield for 80 points don't get me wrong when they get hit they're going to melt so quickly but that's fine they've already taken they've already wasted a turn of the enemies and then like if the enemy wants to use charging their terror guys and then they've killed them and it's going to feed in frenzy and attack again absolutely fine because then there's probably the untamed beast they need to chew through as well like you could manipulate the board as well because you've got 10 models so unlike dire wolves which are two two wounds a piece mm -hmm. but five models because you've got 10 cavalry bases you can manipulate the board in such a way that you can really deny your opponent getting in behind your screen even if they fly because you're taking advantage of those large base sizes mm. of the terrorize for example or a more crusher and just straight up not allowing them to be in because you're screening so well so um i i did play against a, a two units of warhounds the other week in the beast of chaos army and they did die to a stiff breeze oh yeah but i think offensively you don't think about that way defensively they're, they're securing objectives they're taking damage they are tagging units even if you just tag uh at the end of uh at, at the end of the unit so you force the pile in towards the warhounds instead of going into the the knights or the demon prince and then even then add the fact that you're you're halving or you know minimizing charges mm -hmm. and, and and with the other stuff um this 80 points is just straight up annoying it's yes. just annoying. If your opponent doesn't have shooting, if your opponent is a combat-only army, this will be annoying because you'll waste around a combat to get rid of them. If they're shooting, you can just pop them off. But, hey, that there, shooting that is shooting as well. It means shooting isn't going into other stuff, the juicy stuff that you're, that we talked about earlier, your shrine, your demon prince, Bellacor. Yeah, the, the idea of this list is causing lots of problems for your opponent. So they're going to have to wait and try and deal with those problems until 
uh, like I say, your, your chosen arrive because they're the big damage. Don't get me wrong, if your knights and the and the demon prince has a lovely time on the flank and just comes around to join the rest of the force, brilliant. Then they're going to get plus one to wound as well. Um, what I'd say is that, like, just quickly skipping to Bellacore, I gave him Mask of Darkness just because I think the teleport spell is just such a useful spell to have. But you can take the, I forget what it's called now, but there's the one that makes the enemy, if basically pick an enemy unit, you roll a dice for each model in that unit on a six up. For each one of those dices, they take a mortal wound. If they take any damage from it, they can't move, I believe it is. Which is like, if you just really want to muck around. And also, remember, Bellacore's picked something, so on a five up, that thing can do what it wants. Like, I wanted, like I said, I wanted to make this list very different. The first one was all about waves upon waves upon waves and tying up your opponent. This one is just nerfing your opponent to all hell until you can get there. And because Chosen are very much not in the spotlight at all and not really many people take them, I don't feel bad at all of trying to make this list as annoying to the enemy as possible. Like, this, feel, this feels like Bloomspike gets debuff version two. Everyone got really annoyed that, uh, you know, gets were giving minus one to hit everywhere and debuffing and minus two, minus know. three. You're playing this game in a different way. You're debuffing movement. And Age of Sigmar players know that this game is one on movement. They're not one in combat or spell casting. So being able to deny your opponent getting to the objectives, early objectives, um, some objectives, you start accumulating points over time. So by stopping them uh, maximum scoring, uh, this could be quite uh, this is a really cool strategy, and I like your take on the Slaves to Darkness. It's certainly a little bit different than the Darkfire Demon Riff, the, um, you know, going down, doubling down into the Marauders. It's a different style of list, and I really like it. Um, we, like, we, like we, I, so, so I was just going to say, like, when I do list builds, like, I've, I've started to do, like, reviews and stuff on my channel as well, and it's like, I'll openly admit, sometimes my lists, they're not the most competitive list. Well, they win tournaments, probably not, but... I try and make them have a strategic, you know, edge them, but make them different. Because I don't, because what I get fed up with some battle times, I'll be honest, everyone just focuses on one thing and then that thing gets nerfed or something and everyone goes, everything else is bad. If you look a little bit at everything else, then you're prepared for when changes happen. And I think, say, and oh, hey, this, I haven't really spent too much focus into making the enemy bad movement i've taken literally a demon prince that's very hard to kill and then i've taken an endless spell that's it's not like i put half the army into it and then the other thing like the chaos warhounds for example when you can make them like they normally move 12 right that's great. uh yeah Is i think that were 12 they're 10 or 12 i think it was 10 okay so like you can make them move at least 16 right the enemy at this point if i get all my nurse off to their movement they're not going to get any movement to that sort of range like well, at minimum, at minimum you're, you're, you're claiming the objectives if there is there's an objective on the center line uh at minimum you're you're, you're going to claim that you're going to be within six of that so um that guaranteeing a first turn objective that might even change the dynamics of opponent who likes to go second because they want to go for the double turn between turn one turn two two they go oh i really need to get on the objective early so they actually may give it away or sorry take it instead of giving it away so and that was 80 points, 80 points just to, to manipulate the, a play style of your opponent, to screen. Um, so cheap. Like, and I don't see many people allying any Beast of Chaos, maybe a Bray Shaman to do that, um, uh, whatever that big ball spell is called, the Taurus or something. Um, but I don't see them allying Chaos Hounds. And when I was saying to people, like, I, I brought some Chaos Hounds, like the, the response I get is like, oh, okay. Like, 
And it's like, yeah, and you just deploy them, and then your enemy sees how big their bases are. And yeah. Oh, right. Okay. That costs you eight points. Yes. Yeah. And and I want to call out, a, a, you know, as we kind of move into our final thoughts, yeah. um, I want to I want to call out something that um, uh, Hobo from Zozo. <laughs> Amazing name. Uh, Hobo from Zozo said he said um, what Mikey's just said about finding the good in something. Um, or the the use in a subpar unit is a great perspective. And before I let you kind of retort to that, um, it's kind of why I I don't talk a lot about what is good and what is rubbish um, because in context of a list, something can be amazing. You take it out of its context, its situation, and put it somewhere else, and it performs differently. And I think that's where you know, the, the blessing of the internet, you know, when I first started playing Warhammer Fantasy Battles, there was really no internet, or at least there was no internet community. So lists didn't get circulated very quickly. But as a new player, I might see Marauders being talked about, right? They're amazing Marauders, you've got to take Marauders. But if I don't understand why I'm taking it and the role that they're playing, I can get real tunnel vision, picking a unit for the sake of picking it. And I overlook all this great stuff like the Chaos Spawn, like the Chosen, like the, the Lord on uh, uh, Lord on Foot instead of Demonic Mount or the Kakadrak, the Demon Prince. You know, people haven't – I haven't seen a lot of Demon Princes since the Nurgle nerf. I've seen a couple, but oh, most people haven't gone down the Demon. And because we get tunnel vision, we don't look at all of the options available to us. And I think if nothing more um, – I think you've given us a good opportunity to review the book, look at the options, and think about with the current meta, whether it's the domination of um, uh, of Seraphon and Zench, you know, Change Host, the return of Daughters of Cain, or they never really left, but they're just getting popular yeah. again. Yeah. I, I can now look at my book and go, right, I have new challenges on the tabletop. What are my answers to the big blocks of Witch Elves? The, the the turn one teleport of um of change host and then dropping flamers down well cool i can bring in those um those untamed to move up and stop the flamers from burninating my juicy stuff and right. i think it's with that thing oh, okay cool well what can solve my new problem exactly and I, I think you made some very good points there and i just like like just to say like on the flamer part I always review stuff and look at stuff as if you're, let's say you're going to a tournament or an event where um, you don't know what armies you're fighting. But let's just say you happen to be fighting against the same dude at the same store who runs the same list every time and you just want to beat it just for once. And let's say for some reason you've got the models, just take a block of 36 Untamed Beasts and just go, boom, cool. Yeah, kill them. That's And then you do everything else. But how I always review stuff on my channel is... When I've done like these long in-depth review series, like, I've done quite, for quite a few armies now. Um, currently, like I say, doing it for Slaves of Darkness. And um, I really like reviewing the units that no one else talks about because, like you say, tunnel vision. Purely because, firstly, some people may love those models and then they, they just don't get talked about on the internet and they, you know, it's a bit of a shame. But also, they can be useful. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people say very bad stuff about Chosen. But I'm like, I'm trying to find a way for them to work. And I think I've, I might have managed to do it. In the games I've tried of it, it's worked. So, you know, we'll, we'll take that to start with. But when I do all these long in-depth reviews, like, like I said, I was talking about the Warcry Warbands, who most people don't take. I was talking about them for about an hour. So, and like when I did Beast of Chaos, because, you know, we've mentioned the Chaos Warhounds. When I reviewed that series, it was the last one I did. And that was kind of still on the impression now that people were like, they're not the most competitive army. They really struggle. I think I still put about 
probably 10 hours or at least 10 hours into talking about how you can make them work. Every army you're fighting is not a change host. Every army you're fighting is not Gristle Gore or Hidden Knights Snesh when they're really powerful or Petra Elite when that's powerful. If every game you fight is at a tournament and you fight against these and you're, to be fair, if you're a beast of chaos and you're playing on these top tables and you're fighting against those armies, fantastic. Don't get tunneled, fissure, uh, tunneled vision into thinking you're always going to have to play your army just to that level. Because honestly, you're not. And we all, well, most of us get into this hobby because we think models are awesome. Hey, like I said, Chaos Warriors and Chaos Knights are my favorite units, really, from Slaves of Darkness. Are they the best units in the whole book? No. But I'm going to try and make them work because I really like them. And I'm just happy to try and make... Models that everyone else likes work because if there's a will, there's a way. And quite often, like you said, it's all about context. And if you manage to create that context for that unit, you can make it work. So I think the other, just the other call out I would make here before we start wrapping up mm. is when you follow a pattern, people will learn the pattern and know how to adapt to the pattern. So I played, I played OBR, I think since OBR released and Petrofix Elite, um, very Mortec Guard heavy armies. Um, I know the pattern now. I know what I need to do to handle Mortec Guard. I know that if there's a Gothazar Harvester on the table, I need to remove that. I know that, you know, th there's certain combinations, whether it is using catapults, whether they're using big blocks. I know how RDP works. I know the, the combinations and what people are going to do with their bone type nexus. When you know the pattern, you can, you can optimize your army or play around it. But when you play something that's unique, something special, something different, you ask different questions and most people at, a, at the gaming table won't know how to respond. Yes. And I think the, the best way to win the game, obviously, one is movement. Two is to ask a lot of questions, ask challenging questions on the tabletop, not literally, you know, ask your opponent what their underpants size is or, you know, uh, you know, like, you know, ask the, you, ask questions. you can, like, but you you want to ask them questions on the table. The How more questions you ask on the table, straight. you you'll make more more mistakes. So mm -hmm. by debuffing and go tunnel vision, like right, I've got to go kill Bellacore, I've got to kill the Demon Prince. Actually, you've now missed out on all the stuff that's making my army awesome, and you get to take advantage of that. And I really learned that lesson when I played free people, which was before Cities of Sigma because no one was playing free people. No one was playing the old empire and people just didn't know how to respond to the great company to unpack the great company. So I think that there's a big lesson here that don't just focus on the models that are doing good. Look at your book and think about what works best for you. I, I think that's a really good point. And I just like to say like, for example, I always say like, I've been playing deference to start it took them a while to get a battle tone, but I think because you have that idea, like you said, with the free people of playing something different, that mentality stays with you. Like, for example, I've been playing Flesh of Course for ages, and then when um, their second battle tone came out, and everyone's like, Oh, Gristle Gore, and some people like Blister Skin, I was like, Cool, I'm gonna go on Feast Day, which is not a grand court, but it's something different, and I think it's something that everyone overlooks. And Feast Day, for example, lets me do Feeding Frenzy um, each turn for free. Like I can do once a turn, but people were just trying to like Terrorgeist, best unit in that um, army at the time to do the damage, spam it. And it's just like, and also it's there's a joy in doing something different and then making it work. And that satisfaction for me, I think, is the best you can have on the tabletop. 
So the last question I've got for you, we kind of bring this home is, and this has been awesome. It's been really good to unpack. Um, I think I was optimistic by saying that this video would go for 90 oh, yeah, minutes. It's been, it's been a while, it? but no, it's, I think there's been lots of good points made. But, but I think because Slaves to Darkness, like Cities of Sigma, has a lot of different varieties of builds, so much customization even at a mark level, um, I think it was great to really unpack that. And again, Season for Taste, if you like Nurgle and you want to build a Nurgle force, then think about what Mikey's talked about and thought. think about how do I bring those lessons into a Nurgle force and what does a Nurgle force look like? Do I still need the resilience of like an Iron Golems if I've already got that with the 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 Nurgle markings in my Chaos Knights and Shrine? You know, think about well, you know, if I want a bit more reliability on Bellacore Sorcery, is there Zench things that can actually boost that? And I think it's just asking those different questions will get you um, to the the most optimal list that you want to run. So uh, take these lessons with a grain of salt, just like we always do. This is not the silver bullet list. This it's is a, I was just gonna say this is an army that you can I believe for myself anyway I could play for years and run it differently every time like yeah, you could have safe to darkness players two safe darkness players been playing it differently for a year and they could chat to each other for hours or about different things it's a uh, and like I say as soon as you like break out of the idea of my guys are painted one way I want to just play them as that one way because you're really just giving yourself so many different play styles and like you said for example if you go Nurgle. Um, a war shrine now may be an auto include, whereas if you were going, let's say, Sinesh, it may have not been. So it then opens up different categories of different units you want to take, which is cool. Yeah, it's very, it's very, very cool, very, very exciting. It's probably why I love cities so much. It's why I love Git so mm -hmm. much because you can sit in this army for years and rotate your models because there's so much versatility compared to other armies that have just got like 10 war scrolls. I mean, Gargan's my my Gargan army has literally five war scrolls to play with. <laughs> There's only yeah. so much we can do. But, Mikey, last question before we kind of bring this home. And, yeah. by the way, really enjoy this channel. I just want to highlight that Mikey does have a YouTube channel. Uh, I do have the link down below as well. Go check out Age of Nagash uh, if you haven't already subbed. Um, if you need additional incentives, I've got three videos on Mikey's channel now, so you can go watch me talk about Sons of Behemoth, uh, Gloomspike, Cities of Sigma. So if, if you need more incentive, Go, go watch my shows at minimum, but Mikey has got some really great content on there. So do go give him a sub, go check this out. But the Thank last you. question I've got is, um, is there anything else that you've learnt or anything that might not be as obvious to your opponents that we, when you pick up Slaves to Darkness and more importantly, the Idolator list, um, and, you know, if, 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 if you know, this it's, it's within Broken Realms. So if you guys haven't got this, this is where you find the additional rules. Uh, any any final closing comments, any things that you want to share that you haven't already shared in two and a half hours of 24 karat gold? I was gonna say, there's some things I'll save towards the end, but I think we, we've talked quite a lot about most things. I think some of it's a little bit... Sorry about that, it's just a quick alarm. Um, I think... So, obviously, marks are huge. You've got to get very good at your measuring game. Don't look at war scrolls and think that's it. Most war scrolls in that army can be altered into different ways like for example uh the the chosen which were uh, freeze and freeze minus one uh one damage i've easily made we on the ones that hit the wind without putting really any effort in in this list there's just a chariot nearby that's literally it um so there is that um you may look at the spell laws and think they're very good there's not really many ways to get inherent pluses to your casting unless you go a different sub-allegiance as um, Kabulis, but it's still not a great way because you have to make sacrifices to do it. And I think 
one of the big things I want to say as well is don't get tunnel visions like we mentioned um, into this army. It's a good investment. Honestly, this army is the best value army, I believe, out there because of how many ways you can play it. And um, it's an army that is, I think it's quite easy to learn, but it's quite hard to master. Um, like we said, like you can mark everything, just just one um, uh, mark. Like I've done, then like basically most things are on once a hit and then maybe plus one to wound. But if you want to, like uh, Doug mentioned earlier, if you want to try and split things up, then that's when the mastering starts coming. And it's an army that can survive the meta very well. Um, you can probably pick it up for quite cheap as well, this army, I'm not going to lie to you, because some of the models have been around for a while. Uh, I'm trying to, are there were things I want to mention, but it's, we've mentioned quite a bit. I will say, because this, ally, uh, this army has so many allies available, if you look at um, Bloodbound, um, typically, now, they may get a new book and things may change, but a lot of their mortal Bloodbound heroes benefit corn mortal units. So I could teleport the Chosen nine inches away from the enemy, turn one. I could run up the Bloodstoker, make the Bloodstoker give them plus three to charge, and then give them the reroll charge if needed. So, like, that, that's just a little thing. I looked at putting in a Blood Secretor instead of a Chaos Lord in this to give everything wholly within 16 inches plus uh, one attack. So now the Chosen are making four attacks each. Um, so there's these little things. I know there's like, I think there's like a Nurgle character that helps as well. And uh, maybe, who knows, Peanuts and Nesh may have some brand new things to put into this army. So have a look at those War Scrolls as well when they come out. Um, there's just, there's loads to this army. I feel like there's an injustice. There's probably something I'm missing out, but there's, there's loads to it. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, I know it sounds like a little thing. Make sure when you look at the War Scrolls, that's not all you're going to get. It's going to get better. And make sure you're good at measuring. And just one good thing I want to say, because it's not always common. Your big, scary uh, Grand Marshal of the Apocalypse named character is pretty damn good. Yeah. You get you can use your big, shiny model. He's not just staying in a cabinet. Yeah. No, Ar Archeon is definitely, uh, again, no... Uh, no stranger to the tabletop, and it's awesome to see uh, him back on the table. So, Mikey, we've given you a plug. People know where to go. Go check out Age of Nagash. This has been an awesome video. Um, I, I had a laugh with Chuck Moore. I'm doing a video tomorrow on the Daughters of Cain equivalent, and I'm like, man, I've got a hard finish in 90 minutes. I've got a work meeting. He's like, yeah, I've got to go to bed. It's American time. So I'm like, cool, man, these videos won't go longer than, than 90 minutes unless you're Haywo Twitch, where we went three hours with Beast Blue yeah. Raiders. You are on the Haywo Twitch side. So we have almost nice. gone through. This is a, a, a feature film, guys, that you guys have gotten for free. So um, thank you very much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed Slaves to Darkness. So you're going to say something finally? I was just going to say, as first time being on someone else's channel, absolute pleasure. I think what a great way to start off my first experience of doing it. It's been nice to be interviewed and not the host for once. It was quite interesting. And um, I've really enjoyed it. And I think um, hopefully, more than anything else, we've helped some people out there trying to design stuff. Like I say, I'm on the works of a massive Slate of Darkness series. So if you want to go any more in depth, check that out. That's what I'd say. Cool. Thank you very much for having me, mate. Mikey, I'll let you sign off and then I'll sign off and um, and we'll go from there. So, Mikey, take us home. Right, guys. So I want to say thank you very much for watching this video. If you haven't subscribed to the Ares Coach, I don't know why. No, no, you sign off. You sign off. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much for watching this video. Remember, if you want more tips and tricks for Slaves of Darkness and other armies, come check out my channel. It's been an extra pleasure being on this video. And until next time I do a video, thank you very much for having me on here, Anthony. And thank you for everyone in the chat joining. That's not what I wanted. Just your, you your Ash sign off. Oh, right. I thought you wanted me to do a long spur. No, just, 
Right. Okay. Everyone remember until this global pandemic is done, wash your hands, wear a mask, all that jazz. Everyone also remember that until next time, Nagash is all and all is one in Nagash. We got there. Third time lucky, guys. Thank you very much. The theme with our videos is fine. We got there in the end. All right. Don't forget to name your characters. Don't forget your triumph. And most importantly, shoot the heroes. Mate. How good was that video? Surely it's going to go straight to the pool room. If you enjoyed that video, I would appreciate it if you crush that like button. And if you have an opinion, leave it in the comment section. That lets YouTube know it's a great video and it should share it with other Age of Sigmar players. Cheers to all the bloody legends here on the screen who have financially supported AOS Coach on Patreon on YouTube members. Their contributions have helped me improve the quality, frequency, and the variety of content on this channel. So cheers, guys. You are bloody legends. Until the next video, don't forget to shoot the heroes and have a good one.